if anything you want on this live Saturday episode. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Join us online over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have there for you on the website. Many of them, in fact, almost all of them, are completely free. With the exception of joining our AMPS program, which we might tell you about a little bit later on tonight. With you in the studio, it's Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. We've got some money-related things to talk about tonight, including the AAA rating... That is dropped to a double A rating. What does that mean? Why does it matter? Peakless Mountaineer is going to tell us about that. Whose rating is it? Did you guys ever see the uh, Mad TV uh, parody spoof skit? Uh, You remember uh, Triple X, the movie, Vin Diesel? Vaguely. I remember it was like just sort of a cheesy action movie. Totally cheesy action movie. But like the key line in their trailers for it was, I live for this S. Okay. Right. And so uh, Mad TV did a spoof of that, but it was Will Sasso playing the part of Vin Diesel. And instead of Triple X, it was Triple A. And he was riding around in like a tow truck. And on the back of his neck, he had the tattoo of the Triple A logo. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I live for this S as he's towing like a truck out of, you know, harm's way or whatever. Uh, if you want to bring up anything, you can. That is the show. That's what we do here tonight. Coming up also, well, actually, I think we should start with this, Captain. You said it was a really short story about Very. Facebook, which I, I guess fewer people are using now than ever. Uh, young people have, uh, as I understand it, migrated mostly yeah, off Yeah, but this of includes Facebook. Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. There are a lot of people using Instagram, as I understand. So whatever, it's it's Meta's thing. Mm-hmm. Meta has made this decision. And this is a decision to take down news from a certain, well, entire nationwide audience. Oh, the Canadians, eh? Mm-hmm. What's that all about? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, from Sue Today, com. All news in Canada will be removed from Facebook and Instagram within weeks, according mm-hmm. to Meta. The company says it's removing news for all Canadian users over the course of the next few weeks. Meta says it's officially moving to end news access for Canadians on its Facebook and Instagram platforms. The company says it's removing news for all Canadian users over the course of the next few weeks. Meta was previously running a test that limited news for up to 5% of its users and now says it's moving out of the testing phase. Uh, This means that links to news articles and other content posted by Canadian publishers and broadcasters will no longer be viewable to people accessing the social media platforms in Canada. Okay, so it is specifically targeting Canadian broadcasters. Yes. Okay. Canadian publishers and broadcasters Mm -hmm. is what this article says. Well, and it sounds like uh, consumers as well. Well, so it will no longer be available to those consuming it. Right. In so Canada. if I go to you know a Canadian news website and I see an article that I think is interesting to myself and you know whoever's on my Facebook page, for example, and I go, oh, I'm going to repost this. Nope, they're mm. not going to allow it. Right. Mm-hmm. Not allowed. Can't repost news links mm. or or any. And it says publishers and broadcasters. So I don't know how broad that brush is. What constitutes a publisher? Is it I just, they just news have a list, publishers? You know, a list of all the Canadian newspapers, all the Canadian television. Of course, CBC is one of the big ones. That's yeah. actually the government-run broadcast. But what about what about uh, you know citizen journalists, for example? That's a good question, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like I know uh, uh, Luke Rutkowski, mm-hmm. right? He, uh, yeah, he never went to school or anything. He just was like, okay, I'm a press guy. 
and like you know got filled out a form and got himself a press badge and like okay now he's press so like how does that you know fly in in Canada yeah anyone at least in the United States I don't know about Canada's rules when it comes to freedom of the press but here in the U.S. you are the press if you say you're the press if you want to be the press then you know you don't have to have a camera you can. I mean, everybody's got one now. If you've got a smartphone in right. your in your pocket, so yeah. you know you record audio. You want to record video. You've got. You literally have a multimedia uh, press creating machine in your pocket with you at all times. But even if you didn't have that, you could still just make some notes or whatever, and you're still the press. You know, and you probably don't even have to do anything like that. You could just. It's in your head. You you witnessed it, so you can talk about it. Right. Um, I, but you you ask a good question, Captain. Are they? I imagine they're going to stand uh, start out with a list of. The big media, probably like they're the easy ones. The Canadian to find. equivalent to like NBC, ABC, CBS. Yeah, there's some, there's the, some newspapers. The CBC, in, CBC that, is yeah. huge, but there's also some papers in all the big cities, so they'll probably ban all of those. And then maybe anybody that's complaining, you know, uh, about what other about like sites? small town newspapers and stuff. Like, uh, I know? think they're probably going to just they're going to think, okay, how likely is this to get me sued? Because all of this is because of a, a law change, right? It is. Uh, Meta says it's defining such content based on how it's defined in the liberal government's online news act. Now, I didn't look up the online mm, news act, okay. so I don't have that in front of me. But that became law earlier this summer. I think we talked about it. I, d- I don't recall at some that. point. Maybe I wasn't here. Uh, yeah, so they're just probably going to figure out, okay, what is the probability that they will sue us? What is the probability they'll win? And how much is that going to cost us? And they're going to run that and say, okay, take it off or don't. Bob Costas? This is a good question, though, of what will qualify as news under this law. Because, And I don't think it's explained it yet. But under this law, I believe it's similar to what's been proposed in California and in some other places in the United States. I don't think any of them have passed as of yet. But under these laws, they're proposing to force Meta if it continues to offer these news products as just, you know, you put a link in, right? This is what people do on social media. You see a yeah. cool story you want to share with people, yeah. you drop it on your uh, your update or whatever, your post, you, you throw it out there and people click on it and whatever. I mean, heck, we do it almost every broadcast. Right. Now they're saying that anyone that's sharing news from these qualified news producers, whoever those are, yeah. some revenue from Meta will be forced into the pockets of those news producers, right? That's That's what this is. It it says the move to block news is a response to the bill, which requires tech giants to enter into agreements that compensate Canadian news outlets for content shared or otherwise repurposed on their platforms. And that's the extent of the article. So what if, for example, I go to CBC News? Mm -hmm. uh, You mean if if you were living in Canada? If I were a Canadian? And uh, I went to CBC News and I read an article and I didn't post a link, but like I paraphrased the text Mm -hmm. or even copied like the headline and then gave a summary of the news. Does that count? I think that wouldn't probably get picked up by their filters, right? I don't know. Like they're looking for links, I think. I don't think they're going to be searching for the actual copy of the story. For the moment, they've got an algorithm that they're pretty happy with that, that, you know, swipes links, but... What was the Canadian law called? Do you have to remember? It's called, called? the because uh, I am curious. Like Online it, News Act. Okay. I'll look it up. <laughs> the Online News Act. Because I suspect, like, much like all laws that end in act, they're usually just that we're acting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it makes me wonder if there's going to be, you know, what are the what are the arbitrary cutoffs going to be? Is it uh, a news company that is above a certain amount of 
distribution? Is it anybody that's running a newspaper, no matter how large or small? There has to be, there's obviously some definition in here as to what qualifies. And it makes me wonder if it's going to be like the big mega corporate people that are going to be the ones that are getting the handouts here, or is it going to be the small uh, newspapers and such as well? Yeah, well, I mean, because we all know that there's many different levels. There's, you know, nationwide news, then there's, you know, uh, for us at least statewide, for them province-wide or whatever. Then there's like local towns, right? Some towns have their own newspaper or their own television station, that kind of a thing, or radio or whatever. So like how deep does this thing go? How broad a brush are they painting? Well, I think it just points the it just points out that there is no real separation between the state and the media corporations. I mean, here they are protecting all of the ones that they control because it is, of course, the big ones that have gotten big because they toe the line when it comes to what the state's narrative is. So all of the ones that have, uh, I mean, it's it's favor for a favor, right? Yeah. So you spent the last 20 or 50 or whatever years saying exactly what we told you to say. Well, we'll get, we, we'll get you back by making sure that Facebook has to pay you money for using your stuff. Yeah. But it sounds like you're having kind of a Streisand effect uh, level thing on this where, oh, we have to pay for it? Well, we just won't use it then. That's exactly what's happening in a nutshell to you know, perfect summary. Um, but it's, I mean, way too close to home for me, mm. right? I mean, Canada is just up there, eh? Well, and it's getting a little closer as well, because as I said, California was also looking at a very similar story. In fact, June 1st, uh, this is a report from CBSnews.com. Facebook parent Meta is threatening to ban users in California from sharing news on its website if a state if the state passes a bill that would require online platforms to pay fees to news publishers. So the same exact thing is being pro- uh, proposed there. The bill is... California? There, mm. it is called the California Journalism Preservation Act. And uh, again, I don't know... <laughs> Once again, does the opposite thing of what it... you know? <laughs> right! Yeah, it, well, they're not preserving journalism, they're just cutting it isn't out that completely. Ironic? I mean, mm-hmm. so I, I, I know this is kind of an arbitrary distinction, but no, I actually do draw a line between the Canadian and the American on this one, because... Uh, in America, in theory, the law states that everyone's the press, that there is no distinction between between the press and the, the ordinary citizen. Right. So the, this idea so of, far. oh, so sure, I mean, in in a, a, a kingdom, a monarchy like Canada is part of, it, it it's fine. It makes sense to be like, oh, well, the government has approved you as a real member of the press, someone who should be paid attention to. But, I mean, if you're even going to keep up the act as if you care about our freedom of the press in this country, then you have to keep a distinct – you have to make sure there's no distinction between the press and the ordinary person. So if you you try to apply this, you, you end up with one of two things has to happen. Either you are creating a de facto press, mm-hmm. an, an official, yeah. state-sponsored, these are the people, this is the Pravda, right. mm-hmm. or you simply you can't post anything that anyone in America does because they're all part of the press. Well, and, and how is it that, I mean, I, I can, I don't even know that I want to say that, I can kind of understand how that could happen in Canada. Mm-hmm. How the hell does it happen in the United States? I don't care if it's California or mm-hmm. not, but like just the fact that that's even a proposal somewhere in the United States is should be disturbing to everybody that lives in the geographic area known as the United States of America. Meta told uh, in a statement in regards to the California bill, 
If the Journalism Preservation Act passes, we will be forced to remove news from Facebook and Instagram rather than pay into a slush fund that primarily benefits big, out-of-state media companies under the guise of aiding California publishers. This according to Mm. Meta's uh, statement on this issue, which does lead me to, and again, I haven't seen the the Canadian requirements as far as what is a quote-unquote eligible news business or journalism business. So where was Meta, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to call these organizations, where were they when like the CIA and the FBI were telling them what to and not to publish during COVID? Where where were they holding the line during that particular phase in, in history? They weren't. They were doing everything they were told to do by them. You say during COVID, as if that stopped. Sure. I mean, there are stories recently, like recently coming out about the Biden administration saying, hey, can you change the algorithm to downplay uh, like The Wire or or Newswire or whatever that is, and and Tomi whoever. Like, we don't like those guys. But, you know, and upplay official sources, authoritative sources. Yeah. So, so again, where, you know, where were they, you know, sort of drawing the line, right? Like, oh, well, the government's going to force us to do a thing. They passed a law that's uh, going to make us pay well, see, as, the, opposed, as opposed to, oh, the government's telling us what we can and can't publish and who mm, we should censor. The right. difference is with this, they have to pay. So before they were just being told what to do as far as, oh, ban this person or restrict this XYZ topic. Yeah. Uh, don't Label let this, this guy as an extremist. Yeah, or don't whatever. publish the Hunter Biden story, right? They were being given specific instructions from government agencies as to what to do or not to do. And they were going along with it because, well, people do what the government tells them generally. But in this case, it's it's about revenue. And so now they're putting their foot down. They're saying, well, we're not going to share our revenue with That's these That's what governments companies. do. They, they need a cut of your action. Like, this shouldn't be surprising to them at all. Like, they, they've already established a history of doing what government tells them to do. Mm-hmm. Did they really think that they weren't coming for a portion of their revenue? Well, mm-hmm. this one they can walk away from. This one they can, they can put their foot down. Because remember, this revenue isn't going to the government. This is a bill, at least in Canada, and I'm sure the California one's written very similarly because it's all a similar concept, where they are forced to negotiate. If they're going to have news on their platform, they are then forced to negotiate contracts with each and every one of these news companies. So right. they have to have some sort of an agreement in place within a certain time frame to say, okay, well, if you're going to be posting on our platform, we are going to give you this amount of revenue because the Canadian government is making us. Instead, they're just saying, you know what, we don't want to deal with that hassle, and we certainly don't want to give them uh, the revenue, so we're just going to walk but away from this. But to say news. no revenue is going to the government, I think, is, I mean, not well, directly they're from They're paying income from tax Facebook, or whatever, right? Corporate tax. Right, right. But, like, the government is going to have to create some sort of a department of enforcement mm. of social oh, yeah. media sure. news or whatever, right? Almost certainly. And so that's going to cost something. Who's going to well, pay the Canadian for that? taxpayers will, will mm. foot the bill for that. Of course they will. So if this passes in California, I wonder if uh, Facebook will start getting really specific about DNS servers. Because like mm-hmm. uh, right now, they'll they'll do different enforcements based on whether this is coming out of uh, the U.S. or coming out of Brazil or whatever. Yeah. Uh, will they start doing that for state by state at this point? They could. Or like the nightmare scenario here is that you end up where there's just this complete chilling effect through the entire country so that oh sorry you're a US user we've got to make sure that you are following the California laws we don't want to get sued by Californian companies well and for the moment anyway 
if the Canadian one passed, well, it sounds like the Canadian one's already passed. It's done deal, and They're yeah. just yeah. going to do this now. They're just going to yep. strip the news from all Canadian users. If you're in Canada, by the way, or you're Canadian or you're going to Canada and you want to get around this, VPN is your friend. Uh, and that's, you know, the way to, to get around this for the moment. You could choose a VPN that's like in the United States, for example, and then you could go see your Canadian news. Doesn't the hold on? Doesn't the Facebook require some kind of ID these days, or is that not a thing? No. Some, didn't they? I try to ID you at one oh, point. Oh, they did, yeah. But I fought them hard and I won. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, if your ID's on the record of being Canadian, then maybe it doesn't matter where you're logging in from. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I can tell you from personal experience that uh, I've been using VPN, particularly mm-hmm. on my phone. And occasionally I'll I'll hit the Facebook uh, on the web browser because I don't use their app at right. all. Good for you. Phew, Screw that. I mean, right. yeah. Uh, and I could tell you that when I use a VPN from another city, at least, or another state anyway, mm. that I suddenly get advertisements from that state. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their advertising is at least IP, IP specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I choose a, an I, a VPN from like Texas or something, all of a sudden I'm getting like, you know, Hooters in Texas ads or whatever, that kind of a thing in my Facebook feed. So I know that that's. And then like also if I choose uh, like a foreign country, uh, you know, like I don't know, the Netherlands or Sweden or something like that, uh, I will get a whole different set of advertisements. Uh, and also the, the the way the scrolling changes, like the the people and the posts that I see change dramatically mm-hmm. depending on what VPN I select. So I can only assume that they're using old school technology. They're identifying your IP address and going, oh, this guy's not in Canada. Mm-hmm. This guy is in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're limiting this stuff. Good chance of it. Well, I wonder if this is going to end up being a, a much worse and worse enforcement where they go, oh, well, your government has decided this is the news that you need. So this is what we'll show you, mm-hmm. not even based on your IP, but based on, like you were saying, you have to show ID to create Facebook uh, profiles at this point. At least that that's the last I heard was that I you— I don't know. Yeah, to to yeah. my knowledge, uh, they don't require anything up front. You, all you need is an email address. You can create okay. a new Facebook page. That's the way Facebook has mm-hmm. always been, right. to my knowledge. Knowledge, hasn't changed as far as I'm aware. Uh, and I actually, whenever they did try and like be like, you need to show identification, they never said that you need to show government ID. Mm-hmm. They just said that okay. you need to show some sort of ID. So I sent them all the stuff, right? I sent them uh, my ordination, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Captain Kickass is a ordained minister in the Church of Spiritual Humanism. Mm-hmm. I sent them, uh, I was a promoter for some shows, so I had backstage passes. That says Captain Kickass, <laughs> promoter, backstage pass, right? Nice. All this kind of thing. I uh, I showed him a press pass, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, and Captain Kickass was the press agent. That kind and of worked. Thing. Well, I had to do some nefarious things. So uh, 100% uh, honesty, what I did is I went to the corporate page of Facebook. <laughs> I found all of their corporate officers, first and last names, from their mm-hmm. board of directors uh, all the way into like their CFO, their CEO, their CTO, all that kind of stuff. I'm giving away the secret, Captain. It's and secret. and I went and I created Facebook pages for each one of them with their <laughs> names. And then I grabbed a screenshot of their Facebook profile photo and uploaded that. And then I messaged them from the fake Facebook page. So I messaged, you know, it would be like you getting a message mm-hmm. from yourself. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. And then my story, right? 
you know, here's what's going on with my account. You guys Just cut to get me them off. to read it. You guys mm. cut me off. People think I'm dead because, like, I was swooped up in this algorithm where they were trying to, like, eliminate inauthentic names, right? Mm. So uh, I got cut out. A whole bunch of, uh, like, drag queens got cut out. A whole bunch of, like, Sioux Indians mm. uh, whose uh, mm. American translations are, like, you know, Jimmy Two Bulls, right. right? That kind of a thing where it's, like, legit names, but, like, the algorithm was yep. like, that's fake. That's <laughs> fake, right? So... You know, I, I had my story like that. Plus, I went and I found out the email alias of Facebook. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, corporations will have a set format for their email addresses. So maybe it's first dot last right. at Facebook.com, for example. So, well, I already know the first name and last name of all their corporate people. Mm-hmm. So now I can just BCC an email from the email address from my account to all of these people whose addresses, you know, that are new Facebook pages I've created that are fake. And like, I just, I was just loud, right? I just annoyed the hell out of them for, I don't even know, man, several weeks. Really? Yeah. And uh, no How many resolution. Emails did you send no it? resolution. Oh, I mean, it was like daily. I was Every doing day. something. Every wow. day I was doing something. Okay. Until they turned. Until they turned me back on. Uh, they finally turned my account back on. There was never any conversation. Huh. I just kept no messaging them. No one acknowledged them. you. No one acknowledged me in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but they turned my account back on. Now the 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 weird thing is that I have never been timed out. Knock on wood. Timed out on on the Facebook. No, never. Like, I've posted some super controversial stuff. Oh, I see. And nobody has given me, like, the 30-day Facebook jail Uh, or whatever. That has never happened Hmm. thus far yet (laughs) uh, on there. But I think it's because, like, I was so loud that they were just like, okay, put a little asterisk next to this guy and just let him go. (laughs) You know, like, he'll be all right. I think. I don't know. I I have no idea what actually happened. It worked, whatever it was. But it worked. And so if you find yourself struggling with Facebook, you, too, may employ uh, some sort of uh, you know zany antics, uh, as the captain did. I-, I had people, other people who got cut off, who were like, "How did you get your profile turned back on?" And I told them, I explained all mm-hmm. this stuff uh, in even more detail than I've explained to you all here tonight. And they're like, "Nah, that's too much work. I'm just going to start another <laughs> one." And so they did, because like, what's Facebook going to do? Not let them start a new profile, right? right. So. There's a little bit more here. So the one in California would require Meta to pay eligible media companies, quote unquote, usage fees based on a percentage of the ad revenue its platforms generate. For their part, publishers that receive the fees would be required, supposedly, to use at least 70% of that money to pay their staff. California Assemblymember Buffy Wicks, who sponsored the Journalism Preservation Act, said the legislation would help sustain local news operations, noting that more than 100 media players in the state have folded in the past 10 years. So there's your acknowledgement that this is their plan to save old media, to save print media, for instance, uh, by literally forcing the social media companies to subsidize them. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. 
Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. business which is pretty sorry and you know what they deserve it because look if it's useful people will buy it yeah the market dictates these things and so if canadian newspapers are having a hard time they're all having a hard time making ends meet well maybe you should like adapt well, and you know? we know that people don't trust, I, I presume this is true in Canada as well, but in the U.S., a lot of people have grown to distrust the mainstream media publications out there. The television news. As well they should. Uh, the radio, you know, mainstream media stuff is uh, questionable to a lot of folks. And and like you said, it's about damn time that people were starting to question what they're being told and so if they're questioning it, they're less likely to pay for it. That's for sure. And yeah. so, of course, uh, newspapers, uh, it's been sort of like this perfect storm of uh, destruction for them where, one, they're dealing with Internet competition they never had to deal with before. It used to be that they were the king of their geographic dominion. Don't right? you know who I am? I'm with the news. Right. I mean, right. there might have been a news talk station in town to, quote, compete with in in some markets. But for the most part, the newspaper was who you turned to yeah. until television, you know, came around. So for a while, they had radio and TV to compete with. But it was still like the Troika, right? Like the three, they were the dominant. And then all of a sudden, Internet comes in. And, and like we were talking about before, anybody with a smartphone or a notepad yep. uh, can can jump into the news competition and now they literally have thousands of competitors from all over the world and they they can't deal with that you kind of touched on this captain the these old media companies they're dinosaurs they are are not quick to change they're slow as as molasses at this stuff and they suck at it when they try it so Mm -hmm. when they so like the, the new york times and a lot of these other major print publications have tried to go to a pay model and it's been a disaster the paywalls are just a joke most of them are a joke most of them of potsy like proportions honestly i think they're coming to terms with the fact that people are starting to actually grow up realize that life is complicated and messy so this idea of i the authority will tell you the child what is going on in the real world this is what is actually happening i have mm. all the facts instead of Things are happening. Here's what it looks like to me. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, well, how the, about the, you... the conversation, the discovery of reality that adults do? How about you hire some, you know, journalists with journalistic integrity and let them go mm-hmm. at it. Like just let do them their go job. at it, do their yeah. job. Right. Instead of like, no, 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 we can't print that. That's too racy for our publication. We don't want to offend the or, politicians. Or most of our readers are the X. We don't want to offend them by running an article that offends people of Mm. X. Well, and then you have to pay all those actual journalists for actually reporting the news, like going out and finding information when you could just have the government tell you what's going on and just be a mouthpiece for them. Some Mm. time ago, at least in the United States of America, probably before I was born or, or just before, 
so more than 50 years ago now, I guess, uh, the news was just sort of like a public service that these television stations, it was a, a loss for them to, to have the news. Mm-hmm. It was not a revenue generator mm-hmm. at all. It was just something oh. that they did because they felt like they needed to, you know, get the news out to people. Well, they wanted you to tune in. They did want you to right? tune in, of course, but like it was a, a financial loss for them to have wow, a news I didn't broadcast. Know that. And somewhere along the line, you know, uh, somebody discovered, hey, if it bleeds, it leads, mm-hmm. and we can, you know, we can get some ad revenue off of this thing. And so now the mainstream media has become as uh, I don't know what the right word is, as demented. Uh, as it is currently. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to blame advertising for uh, the corruption no, 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 in, in no, news. It, but... No, no, it's... Well, I think there is definitely some part to play. So, for it example, like uh, how many shows were brought to you by Pfizer? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I really think to a certain extent they've come full circle on television. So, like, uh, you know, they're called soap operas because it was literally soap companies mm. that would put on programs. Because all the moms were watching. Right, uh-huh. to, to be something interesting and entertaining. So, that they could get you to watch their their commercial for By their Paul Mollive or uh-huh. Borax right. or Johnson and Johnson. Right, they're they're in the middle of the show. They'd have the the actors turn and be like, "But really, what I love is Tide. <laughs> have you tried Tide? Did that really happen? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can go watch uh, absolutely. old clips and stuff. Yeah. And and news has basically come full circle on that, uh-huh. where like so much of the programming is literally brought to you by Pfizer. Mm-hmm. So of course they're not going to say anything that would ever make Pfizer look bad. This is right. true. And they That's will true. absolutely push everything that makes Pfizer an obscene amount of money. And now all of the mainstream media companies just regurgitate press releases that are fed to them by government. Right? Oh, yeah. We've all do. seen the videos of the like the exact verbiage from 30 mm-hmm. different television broadcasts mm-hmm. across the country, 30 different anchormen, 30 different, you know, local right. news broadcasts all saying As a the threat exact to our democracy. same verbiage, right? Because all they're doing is copying and pasting whatever's fed to them from the federal government into their news broadcast. And that is not news, my friends. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, you guys make a strong argument. I, I think it's the consolidation that has also driven in this direction because the story you're talking about, Captain, where the you see the internet, the, it's on the video, the internet, uh, where there's clip after clip after clip of different brands, at least on the on their face. So yeah. like CBS News, Fox News, NBC, different brands ABC. using the same script. What it turned out was that was all still the same company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, Sinclair, I think it was yeah. in that case, and they own these different affiliates sure. in, different na- mm-hmm. in different areas. So it wasn't as though every Fox station had that same script across the country. It was just every Sinclair-owned Fox station. But it still looks bad, right? But there's like, only like what six companies that own everything in Something the United like States? That. I mean, that's a little like, overblown, but uh, it, it, that's not true when it comes to radio, for instance. There's a lot well, more anymore, anyway. There's uh, a lot more. Yeah, well, on stations. radio, it's 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 all been going in the opposite direction. Like it was, uh, there was definitely a time I remember very clearly that uh, currently iHeart uh, Media, mm-hmm. but at the time Clear, uh, Channel. Clear, Channel, Clear Channel, right, Channel, right yeah. was just running around gobbling up yes. all of the like local a vacuum cleaner yeah, of radio. Yeah. yeah, they they were just hoovering up one and that company has reversed. after another. Yeah. And now it's gone the other direction. Because of the debt uh, that they, they incurred. They bought up a ton of stations in the late 1990s. And then later in the aughts, uh, station prices started to go down. And they had bought these things at their peak, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they can't pay mm-hmm. uh, the debt payments on this huge amount of stations they bought. So they've been having to sell them off. So yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Radio has gone in sort of the opposite direction. Television, on the other hand, I don't think 
uh, is the case. They've just consolidated yeah. and well, television's like, been kind of a different thing though because they've their primary competition is Netflix and Hulu mm-hmm. and YouTube. Yep, that is true. Well, I, I'm, I'm just talking about like the local stations, right? Mm. Like how many, do you guys ever see uh, Weird Al's UHF oh, back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've never seen Surprise! UHF? Oh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta see that. It's like a classic 1980s sketch comedy. How have you not seen UHF? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's, a, it's a mandatory. You know, some of us don't automatically watch something just because it has Weird Al in it. I, do I you don't, like Weird Al? I, yeah. Okay, you gotta I, see it. I, <laughs> you know, I had the utmost respect for you, Peakless yeah. Gunner. Oh. <laughs> but you've lost at and least there one it respect man goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently uh, was at, I was drinking with a friend of mine at a bar, and I haven't seen an actual television broadcast. I don't even know. Like I don't watch you actual mean like a newscast? TV. Yeah, uh-huh. and like the news was on. It was the uh, like some station out of Boston or something, and it was like whatever channel. I don't even remember the channel number seven, whatever. And it was the local news, and it was just fear. Fear, oh, like yeah. the volume was off, so I couldn't hear anything. All I could see was the visuals the headlines, yeah. and the little trailer running across the bottom, uh-huh. the, the little ticker the Chiron, thing, and I then think the, they call that, yeah, and, and and all that kind of thing. And then like you know the the shots of the the news, the broadcasters, the the anchor people, mm-hmm. and it was just fear, fear, fear. The colors like that they used for this stuff were all like aggressive reds and yellows and stuff like that. And then when like they showed police, for example, oh they were all like pastel colors, oh a light blue, and you know all very happy and you know. And then back to fear, fear, mm-hmm. fear again, right? It just visually, and I'm like, oh my god. I am so glad that I have killed my television, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I still watch television programs, right? I but I download these things. Right. I watch them commercial free. I watch them ad free, news free, all that kind of stuff. And if you don't do that, you're doing yourself a disservice, yeah, in just my opinion. Fed propaganda. I mean, you're even getting fed propaganda within some of these shows. Absolutely, but, I am. But, but at least you know what you're getting into. And I'm also engaging these programs on purpose mm-hmm. right yeah. as opposed to You're turning the box right. on and just allowing it to feed mm-hmm. me constantly. programming programming literally you? programming yeah. yeah yeah uh join the show here if you want to weigh in the number 603-283-6160 so just to jump back to the story about the uh oh, yeah, what we, we started what we started with with was canada has passed yeah. this law that is going to mandate that media uh social media companies will have to, if they are going to continue to allow their users to experience Canadian news on their platforms, they're going to have to give revenue to the Canadian news companies. That's a done deal. Now, it's not done in California yet, and that's why uh, Facebook is going to pull out from Canada, at least as far as news posts are concerned. If yeah. you're a Canadian user, say goodbye to seeing any Canadian news on Facebook your Facebook and Instagram. I just yeah. want to and say Instagram. that repeatedly that, so yeah. that our listeners know that, like, because a lot of people have, you know, sort of left Facebook, but Instagram is still huge. But I just want to make it clear uh, that this is being proposed in some parts of the United States. I think there might be a nationwide proposal in Congress. I don't know. It probably didn't go anywhere. But my WhatsApp is still safe, right? Well, that's also Facebook. My right? question is, what is what is X going to do? Mm. Uh, that's another good question. I suspect X going to give it to you. I suspect they're not going to want to pay either. They're not going to want to cut all these Why deals with all these media companies. But here's the thing: so California had a similar bill. It, however, did not move forward this year. It has essentially been mm. tabled. Uh, until 2024 so it's not gone it's just we need to study this for longer whatever and you know cut deals behind the scenes with the news companies or whatever but i thought that the statements from one of the sponsors of the bill particularly revealing 
this Buffy Wicks, who was the sponsor of the Journalism Prevention Act, sorry, Preservation Act, maybe that was uh, <laughs> a little Freudian, Freudian slip, slip there. there, yeah, because as we've as we've learned. What this is actually doing is it's going to harm the media companies they're supposed to help by not even allowing them to have exposure on one of the most active social media websites yeah. out there. She says, as news consumption has moved online, community news outlets have been downsized and are closing at an alarming rate, she says. So this is her plan to try to save quote-unquote, local media. Now, as Meta pointed out, this is actually going to benefit the big corporate players more so than the local media uh, people. But she's not wrong that old media has been dying off. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to print old media. So the real question that people should be asking themselves, particularly if you're Canadian or Californian, is why does government think old media is worth saving? Because it's easily controlled. Mm-hmm. They already know all the editors and the the owners. They have them in their pocket and vice versa. It's the old boys club. And they don't like having the uh, internet competitors mm-hmm. jumping into the game. And importantly, it's still somewhat trusted by people i mean sure it's lost a lot of its trust i mean you know mostly from like lying us into a disastrous never-ending middle eastern war for i example. was there right was well, that Brian? oh yeah yeah, yeah. His name? yeah uh being shot at it in the helicopter <laughs> uh right anyway they still haven't lost all of their credibility so these these you know failing media giants still have some credibility left at the bottom of the barrel and they're completely controlled by government so of course they're going to be propped up by government exactly so that they can keep the their controlled media and hold on to whatever little scrap of believability they have in their narrative you know what was a surprise to me and this was years ago uh here in new hampshire there was an an Upper Valley newspaper, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which town. I think it might have been like Charlestown or mm-hmm. something like that. A little town in New Hampshire, somewhere north of where we are here in Keene. And their paper was failing. It was going to go out of business. And the state came in and literally rescued this paper. The state of New Hampshire? The state of New Hampshire actually Ooh. rescued this paper. And the excuse was— What do you mean by rescue? Like somehow kept it alive, somehow Gave pumped some money, money yeah, or... pumped some money into it to keep them alive. I don't know if they're still alive because again, this was like yeah. years ago. I'll have to try to figure out which one it was and see what's going on. But they they pumped some taxpayer money into this newspaper on the excuse that oh well, all these old laws that we have require that you post a public notice, right? Like if you're gonna mm. uh, you know uh, open a business or whatever it is, there's certain things that you've got to <laughs> post a public notice in the classified section of the local paper of renown or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And and so if the paper goes out of business, like when they wrote these there's laws, there's no paper of record for right, New Hampshire. That's it. You yeah, could just print it. something out and pin it up to the bulletin board, actual that usually physical is an bulletin option. board yeah. in your local library. That's true. That actually usually is an option for public notice, or the you're post right. office, or your town clerk. But that was the, one of the excuses that yeah. they used. And, of course, the other excuse hey, is, well, we'll lose our local what, news, you know? I, I just thought about something. Uh, what happens to these media companies, these news companies, uh, to their Facebook pages or Instagram pages if they have them? I guess they just can't post anything newsy mm. to them anymore. Like, I mean, do they cut them off? Do they? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, because well, you know they have them. I can go to the mm-hmm. Facebook page of any, you know, news company. 
mm-hmm. right? Or any local television station that has one channel, seven channel. I don't even know the channels. Around well, are it, they but... going to be prohibited from posting the news or only that the viewers in Canada are prohibited from seeing their posts? Well, that's mm-hmm. a good question. Well, another possibility for all of this is that they just turn off the advertisers. So, okay, you are whichever, you know, recognized official Canadian presser yeah. and you have a Facebook page. Okay, well, we just won't advertise on your Facebook page. That way we don't have to pay you any money from your page. So I have a story I've been sitting on for a few months. It's about the consolidation within the newspaper business. What are you, like a, like a chicken well. hatching something? You've been yeah, sitting on it for months? Hold on to something for the right time. <laughs> and this seems like the right time at this. Have you guys ever heard of news stories? <laughs> have you ever heard of the news company? Is that, is that papering your nest? That's about all this stuff is it good is. for these days, uh, these newspapers. But uh, Gannett, y'all heard of Gannett? G-A-N-N-E-T? Yeah, yeah, yeah. T-T, two Ts. Oh, sorry. Uh, they are the largest newspaper chain in the United States. Hmm. And uh, the story from Joshua Benton at NeimanLab.org. He says they should wake up each morning at Gannett, thankful for the existence of number two Alden Global Capital, which is the number two newspaper company. After all, who could ask for a better point of comparison? Alden is the perfect industry villain a faceless private equity fund dedicated to nothing but cost-cutting and cash flow draining. Its corporate website contains a total of 21 words, nine of which are Alden, Global, or Capital. It's run by a secretive billionaire who last gave an interview in the 1980s, the sort of person who can own 15 mansions in Palm Beach and still think, I could really use a 16th. (laughs) It's the type of company that inspires debate over whether vulturous is too kind of an adjective. If you're writing an Atlantic cover story on who killed America's newspapers, Alden Global Capital will hand you the murder weapon already dusted for prints. Gannett, meanwhile, is at least a newspaper company, one more than a century old. It's rarely been considered a particularly good one, mind you. Its reputation for cheapness and cookie-cutter products go back decades. As the New York Times described it in 1986, quote, a chain of mostly small and undistinguished, though highly profitable, newspapers. But it was at least a familiar name, run by news people with at least some dedication to its civil role in hundreds of communities. When Alden attempted a hostile takeover in 2019, anyone who cared about local news was put in the unfamiliar position of rooting for Gannett. Heck, if you squinted hard enough, Gannett could almost feel like the good guy, if only because people like to believe there is a good guy in their industry somewhere or another. But We're Better Than Alden has its limits limits as a brand promise, and Gannett's most recent annual report drives home the fact that no company has done more to shrink local journalism than it has in recent years. Let's total up the damage in raw numbers, if not in stories unbroken and facts not uncovered. While Alden failed in its bid to buy Gannett in 2019, it sparked a wave of newspaper industry consolidation that some had foreseen for years. Now, remember, this is before COVID Mm -hmm. because things got even worse for newspapers when people weren't even leaving their houses. Within a few months, the two largest paper companies in the U.S., uh, number one, Gannett, and number two, Gatehouse, announced they were merging. The name would remain Gannett, but gatehouse execs are mostly left in charge. At the end of 2018, the last pre-full merger, uh, full pre-merger year, the two companies had roughly 24,338 employees in the United States and 27,600 worldwide. Gannett also owns a small group of papers in the UK. Mm-hmm. The merger closed in mid-November of 2019, by which time, we're talking about one year later, they had 25,000 employees worldwide and was diving headlong into a hunt for, quote, inefficiencies. 
By December of 2019, the combined company was already down to 21,255 employees in the U.S. By the end of 2020, that was down to 18,141. One year after that, 13,800. We're talking about major bloodletting, yep. major cost cutting. Just Reductions in force, RIF, RIFs. Cutting as to the bone. Yep. Mm. It and, and its most recent SEC filing reports that as of the end of 2022, Gannett had just 11,200 U.S. employees remaining and then only 3,000 overseas. So just to recap, that's from 2018 where they had 24,000 plus in the U.S. and 27,000 worldwide to three years later down to 11,200 and 3,000 worldwide. Yeah, you got you to gotta love how... We're not those guys is just used as an excuse on every single level. So, like, every time that, uh, for example, we criticize the the aid going to the Ukraine defense against Russia, you must be a pro-Putin apologist. <laughs> yeah. It's like, n- no, both of these people can be villainous, blood-soaked monsters. No, Ukraine is pro-freedom. Everything they do is pro-freedom. Right. There was a, <laughs> uh, a comedian who did... Uh, Something called the hastily made Cleveland tourism video. Hmm. It's super hilarious if you if you ever want to look that up. But uh, at the end of I think the part two version of that was uh, at least we're not Detroit, mm-hmm. right? Well, so this like hey we're not these guys right? thing is like uh, such a thing that mm-hmm. like a comedian is using it in right. his videos, mm-hmm. and it's the foundation of American politics. I mean, the biggest the biggest upside of being a Democrat is you're not a Republic. Right. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing about being a Republican, you're not a Democrat. But that's literally what motivates most voters, isn't it? It's like, well, I don't like Trump, but I really don't like Clinton. You know, yeah. I'm not going to vote for uh, Trump because I hate him more than I hate Clinton. I mean, that's the whole thing is what you hear all the time. The justification for yeah. voting for the lesser of the evils. Yeah. People laugh all the time when I go, I just don't vote for anyone. I lead myself. I don't think that's funny. I think it's awesome. Well, okay, thanks, man. But like, you know, that's one of the reasons that I'm here in New Hampshire is because there are a whole bunch of people. There's a community of people who are like, yeah, that doesn't sound funny to me, or you're not crazy for thinking that, or that sounds just fine to me. So you've already got a newspaper business that has been handicapped Mm -hmm. for years, losing subscribers. I did a story in 2013 about the Keene Sentinel here in our little Keene, New Hampshire, which still exists, by the way, although they have cut their... Um, size down of the paper. They've increased the cost of the paper. They also recently got rid of the uh, Saturday and Sunday editions. Now it's just a weekend edition, so they're not printing seven days a week. One paper for the whole weekend. Correct. Oh, Correct. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, they've been cutting costs, but also they've been losing subscribers. And, you know, this is one of those numbers that is very important to a newspaper, right? Like, how many people pick up the newspaper? How many people buy it at the newsstand? How many people subscribe? And then what's the pass-around rate, right? They right. they somehow calculate. They have a third party calculate this stuff. I contacted that third party, the auditor, essentially, and I asked for the numbers from 2013 and from, like, you know, a few years prior to that and the 1990s. And so just looking, and it was down from, like, 20,000 or something subscribers in the 90s to, like, 7,000. Wow. In, this was in 2013. I don't know what it is in 2023, yeah. but I suspect it hasn't grown yeah. right. since uh, since that time. So you take the the declining subscriber numbers. You can understand why Gannett, this large newspaper company, would want to cut costs. But can you cut your way to success in business generally? You really can't. No, you got to no. innovate your way to success. That's yeah. that, and that's the biggest misnomer. There's so many companies out there, and I've seen this in tech. Uh, 2008, right? The crash of 2008. 
all the tech companies went, oh, we got to cut people now mm-hmm. if we're going to survive this thing. Right. Uh, the ones that survived uh, didn't do that as much. They went, okay, how do we innovate our way out of this mm-hmm. situation? What products are necessary now? Uh, if you look at, uh, we'll call it the onset of COVID, or at least the government reaction to it, what company grew, what tech company grew the most? Zoom. Mm, All of a sudden, Zoom was like the number one. We got to have that product. They were upgrading all of their infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, creating more bandwidth, more features, stuff that people needed and wanted uh, because they innovated. They were there. Innovation takes longer, and that's why very few companies do it. Well, and especially companies that have been around for a long time. They've always done things the same way. They don't like changing. No one likes change, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and innovation is that, and it's uh, it's very hard for these old dinosaurs to do. So instead, we get to watch as they fail. There's more coming up. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. This Free Talk Live. Kicking off the second hour of the program. The phones are open if you want to join us. We'll do it live. And we are. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. Talking about the death of the newspaper business. It is, I would say, in its death throes. Uh, and it hasn't quite gasped its final breath. But, boy, it does not look good. Especially when you actually look at some of the numbers which we are sharing here when it comes to Gannett, the country's largest newspaper company and they've gotten that way by gobbling up a bunch of local papers over decades and then consolidating and cutting and cutting and cutting and as we learned they've cut as of 2018 when they uh shortly after the 2018 they merged with what was uh, then the number two newspaper company apparently called gatehouse which i'd never heard of but they uh, they merged together and then proceeded to then cut more than half well, if they're the number two jobs. company, they should be called S House. Yeah, they're they're gone now, um, and the uh, staff has Outhouse? been the staff has been just slashed and burned. Uh, we can continue with the discussion here. Of course, your calls and thoughts are also welcome. It's Ian Peekles Mountaineer and Captain Kickass in the studio. We have Major Payne on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. But uh... hey, guys, good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just had a thought on how these old dinosaur paper companies might be able to revive their image a little bit. Okay. You guys probably aren't familiar with it, but they used to make a gizmo that you could take regular black and white newspaper and make logs out of it. 
you crank it and it wraps them up and you put a couple of big bread ties around and you can make a newspaper pile of fire logs. Right, before Duraflame. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but these uh, these ads they have now, this glossy paper, that the Sunday and, and weekend editions are just overloaded with and will pretty near kill a paper boy. Yep. A buddy of mine used to do the free press. I did the Ipsy press. Those, those free presses, the Sunday paper would kill you. You had to have a wagon or a bicycle or something. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that glazed paper doesn't burn. That that somehow some that glaze I don't know what that glazing's made of, but I don't reckon it recycles worth of beans either because it, it you know, does, but it's not nearly as recyclable as it used to be. Also, too, uh, one of the early survival techniques that I learned was uh, newspaper is a hell of an insulator, and in fact. In some of the older homes, I'm surprised it's not talked about here in the New England it's area. It's in the walls. It's in the walls. Mm-hmm. They used old newspapers for insulation because it was a readily available substance. Right, and you just throw it away. Otherwise. Everybody just throws them away or whatever, burns them or whatever. I've torn mm-hmm. down, down a lot of houses or you know remodeled or whatever that had newspapers in the wall. They also used to use a lot of red oak leaves because those don't break down either. Mm-hmm. Red oak is a very uh, rot-resistant wood. And I guess the leaves have the same tendency to them. The bugs don't like them, and, you know, it's good, good. Well, Major, i got to tell you, but, uh, I have found it absolutely terrible to burn those papers. I mean, they smell absolutely awful. Uh, they make a lot of smoke. They'll burn fast, at least, but uh, it's not real good for that purpose either. Yeah, if you if you put a stack of them in a burn barrel or whatever, you got to go keep stirring that thing, right, and then cause... you end up with... Like three times the ash you would normally out of a yeah. know, standard wood product. Well, paper if it's just layered on top of paper is not going to burn well because you got to get some surface area. Yeah, you got to get oxygen it, in there. It needs, it needs a little air. Right, uh, Major. You're one of our. I would say you know you're one of our older callers. Uh, you know what are you in your fifties, sixties? I'm over sixty. Over sixty. Do you still read the newspaper? I haven't been a subscriber to the newspaper. Ever that I can think of. Ever. Okay. All right. Uh, one of the I households. Used I used to deliver it and make money off of them when I was a kid. That's but funny. no, I've never uh, subscribed. You uh, never got high on your own supply then, basically. Oh, nice. Yeah. One of the households I grew up in uh, subscribed to the newspaper daily and weekly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the other day I was at home in, in the John, you know, doing the John thing. And I got my phone in my hand, as many people do. Right. And it occurred to me that before the cell phone... There would just be a giant stack of newspapers in front of me, <laughs> right? Who, whoever owned the place, you know, that's where the papers went. And so you could be like, what was that article I read last Tuesday? You could like thumb through them and like get down to like, oh, yeah, here's last Tuesday's mm-hmm. paper or whatever and find the article you wanted to read out of it. And so it's weird well, yeah, that like like people still read the news or whatever, but like, you know, now it's just on your phone instead of, you know, physically in front of you. Well, you you could tell who ruled the throne in the house when you went into the bathroom. I mean, was there field and streams and popular mechanics in there, or was there good housekeeping? Mm-hmm. Right, or was it? Yeah, popular mechanics. I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other ones that used to be. There. I used to have the Onion oh. here oh, at the the bathroom nice. here back when they had the print version of the Onion, but they stopped printing it in like 2011 or something like that. Soldier of Fortune was one I remember. I, you know, we've we've been pretty hard on newspapers, but I gotta I gotta say one really really nice thing, one thing that they have that is absolutely superior to modern media. You can't change it from a distance, 
So if they print oh, this story yeah. and you read this story, mm-hmm. like you can, if you feel like it, hold on to that sucker and they will never be able to change Can't one be undone. single little piece of that story. And you can show that to other people. True. Whereas these days, like not only will they change what is the content, they will change the metadata to sure. show that they never changed the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the larger newspapers, uh, I, I know of one particular, I'm not going to name it because I want to give them any publicity, but they would run an early edition of the Sunday paper on mm. Saturday. Mm. So you could pick up your Sunday edition like late on a Saturday evening mm-hmm. at your local apothecary or get it home delivered or whatever. And occasionally... News from the future. Yeah, and occasionally <laughs> the late or the later Sunday, actual Sunday edition uh, would have either a different story mm-hmm. or they would change the headline slightly mm-hmm. to adjust for whatever faux pas could they be, may have committed. Could be new information. Mm-hmm. It could be in, new information, know. but and then eventually they adjusted to like regional stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, well, this is like uh, you know, if you're a big city but like you're delivering to other states that are near the big city, uh, they'll make a different version for like the state nearby instead of the state that the city is in." Mm-hmm. So they adjusted to that. So like the headlines will be slightly different. So if you pick up like, uh, I don't know, like a New York Times, you know, in, uh, I don't know, New Hampshire, for example, it might be different mm, than if regional. you picked okay. it than if you picked it up in New York. Hey, Major, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's go to a former uh, guy that worked in the news business. Dave Ridley is on the line. As I recall, Dave, and I know you were calling for a different reason. We can get to that in a moment. But uh, you used to work at a Boston television station as an editor back in the day. And I I presume other places prior to that. Uh, You know, do you care to weigh in at all on the consolidation and the sort of the failing of the, the news business? Yeah, I was just a video editor. I wasn't like a uh, you know an assignments editor or anything high up. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's just yet another nail in the coffin, I guess. It's just it's just what for me is just sad. Is just harder and harder to get a piece of information out. You know, when I first moved to New Hampshire in '04, I couldn't wait to write my first letter to the editor. You know, I wrote a lot of letters to the editor, and they always seemed to get published. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were lots of ways to get information out web forums, talk radio, and everything. <laughs> Other than talk radio, all of these things seem to have attrited. Yeah, that's an, that's a good point. I know that you've personally suffered uh, the sort of the restrictions that have been put in place on some of these online platforms, YouTube, for instance. Uh, did they delete your channel entirely, or did you just get demonetized on, on YouTube? I was never monetized. I had... Uh, you know, advertisers would advertise with me directly. And of course, mm-hmm. you were one of my advertisers. So I didn't need or sign up for any, for YouTube to pay me anything. Right. Uh, but in 2020, they started taking down my videos. Mm. And uh, some of them, as they said, if, they, if I get too many strikes in a week, they'll take down everything. So I figured, well, they're going to keep giving me strikes because mm-hmm. they're going to strike older and older videos. Mm-hmm. So if I just put nothing up, that will make the channel stay up for longer. Uh, so I had to stop uploading around 2021, I guess. So the Ridley Report and channel is still on YouTube, but is not receiving new content, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. youtube.com slash Ridley Report. But and, you and also Ridley moved Report. over to some other places, right? You're on uh, Odyssey, and uh, what's the other big one that, that you're on? 
uh, bit shoot. Bit shoot. Okay. All right. But it, it, it but it's not practical. I, I, I can only get about 200 hits per video or 300 hits. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just not worth shooting the videos. Uh. Um, and um, so that's been that's been the case for a couple of years. And so it, that, that's the thing, you know, as as these uh, institutions have been dying like papers. Well, you would just expect, of course, something else is going to come up in their place. And there was something in their place that worked even better, and it was called YouTube. Mm-hmm. It was old YouTube, and it was an easy way to get information out, and it was an easy way to get information in. Um, and they've made it difficult, of course, to get information out, and it's difficult, also more difficult than it used to be to watch YouTube because there's so many uh, interruptions and ads and stuff like that and mm-hmm. demands that you sign in. Or whatever. So they, they, took the, they took the thing that was the one thing that was working, and, you know, they destroyed it. And it wasn't, I, you know, I don't, it's not just YouTube that destroyed themselves. It was the federal government that, that was, was a large part of that. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting that we went from, uh, you know, a relatively unmolested platform to one that is highly controlled, highly uh, restrictive on the content that can be shared there. And, and it's, it's sad to see, you know, you, Dave, who were such a prolific producer, uh, there are so many people who, when you talk to them about moving to New Hampshire, like, you know, if you're just talking to people at like the Porcupine Freedom Festival yeah. and you say, what was it that brought you to New Hampshire? So many of them will say the Ridley Report, right. Dave Ridley. And then they'll like chime out with one of your little tunes that you do because you do these little songs for your <laughs> advertisers. And uh, it's just the, the videos you've done have been so meaningful to people over the years. It's It's a shame to see them go away. Uh, simply because you aren't, you don't feel like they're in a place, or that, that they can be put in a place where they can get enough attention, where they're monetized. But I mean, I want to ask you this on on the on this point though, Ridley. I mean, when you first started on YouTube, you surely were only getting a few dozen views per uh, per video, right? Like you had to start from zero. So there must have been a time at which a couple hundred views would have been pretty good for you, right? No, I, no. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, when I it only took a couple of weeks to get to a point where I was getting thousands of hits per, per wow. video, uh, maybe maybe a month. But um, the uh, no, there was the heavy metal musician in have... me is totally jealous because like you know getting hits for something yeah. like I'd be happy with a couple hundred right. hits on something that I put up. Like I do that all the time. I put stuff up and it gets a few hundred hits. It's like you just move on and that's yeah. fine. And, and that's the way it is. I, but I get it. You know, your time's your time's valuable. You're used to getting a certain amount of uh, of views or whatever. And maybe it's because you were so early in. Maybe that's a factor where, you know, Ridley, you were one of the uh, earliest, I would say, producers on YouTube back in. Uh, when did you start? Was was it like 2008 or seven or five? When was it? 2007. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty early for for YouTube days. That's like just after I think uh Google had made the the purchase of the platform around that that same time frame. So maybe it was simply because there weren't as many producers on there. And nowadays, every, like we we're saying, anybody who wants to can go and try to make it, but the problem is there's so much content it, it just buries well, everything. The, How do I you mean, understand stand that, out? In my opinion, Ridley's an artist and he's entertaining. Mhm. With his content, and so this is why they you know, started giving him strikes and that kind of thing. Right. That this man is dangerous because not only does he have a message which rings true to a bunch of people, but he's entertaining about it in the process, mm-hmm. and that's a rare combination to have. Yeah, and a lot of this all oh, really thanks, does Cap. boil thanks, down Captain. to making sure that that interesting ideas don't get out there. Right. So 
the you know we were asking why does the why does the state prop up these old ones and we went over the fact that well they're reliable and they uh, in in that they will prop up the state and that they have some amount of trust with them and what that contrasts with is the idea of getting out these ideas getting different narratives going getting different information to different people now if you actually want to find out what's going on, that's exactly what you want. You want a bunch of different people to have different pieces of information yep. and then talk to each other so that they can form a more complete picture of the situation. Yep. Whereas if you want control, what you want is a single narrative that everyone has heard. Yep. Well, I would just like to register um, you know, my wish that the Ridley report would come back in some some shape or form, you know, even if it's once a week or once every other week or just whenever you feel inspired to do something, I would like to encourage you Ridley to get back to it to some extent, like even though it might only get a couple hundred views, the thing is, you never know when one of them is going to take back off, right? Like, you never know when one of those videos is going to hit just right and, and you know, go viral or semi-viral or whatever. And then all of a sudden your channel gets another hundred uh, subscribers or another thousand subscribers or whatever. I, I hope that uh, that you'll consider, you know, bringing some sort of form of the Ridley Report back. I know a lot of people came here because of it, and it's a shame to see it uh, fall by the wayside. Yeah, I don't see it as a permanent, uh, permanent. Uh, what's the right? I don't. I don't think. It's, I don't feel like it's permanently deleted. I, I, I'm waiting for the stars to align so that you know it can be done again practically. Okay. Um, and uh, one thing I suggested, I think I called in about this about a year ago, is you know if there are people that have platforms that that already have viewers, and anything you put there gets views. Um, and I, it would be the appropriate thing would be for me to put my videos on someone's platform that's already getting a thousand hits per video, and then I'll get a thousand hits per video just like them. Uh, but I have never had anyone uh, offer to take me up on that, except for Joe, who ha- he's great, but he doesn't really get enough hits. Um, hmm. I've Joe, seen him get uh, tens of thousands blog, of. I think he gets tens of thousands of views on some of his videos. I think it just depends on the content. But anyway, you were calling uh, for some other reason tonight, Ridley, and what did you want to share? Uh, well, I just wanted to uh, sort of continue my little series, which I call uh, This this Year in, in uh, Free State History, uh, and okay. tell you a couple of the, the things that kind of following 20 years ago, 2003, what happened in our movement that was interesting 20 years ago that people are now forgetting and I'm trying to make sure it gets remembered. You're referring to the Free State um, Project, which, of course, is the migration of roughly 20,000 people. Hopefully someday. I don't think we've hit that number yet. Uh, but there have been 20,000 people who have signed a pledge to move to New Hampshire yep. together and to uh, work towards more freedom in our lifetime. It's a great little project. It's the reason the three of us are here in the studio tonight. We actually have the Free State, or Free State, the documentary film that's actually shooting in the studio. So it's a good topic, uh, timely topic, Ridley. What uh, what was the history you wanted to share that happened in 2003 for the Free State Project? So there were there were two things that happened, and I'm... I've had trouble finding records on this. So it could have been early 2004, but I, I believe it was mid or late 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, two very interesting things happened. One was that uh, I guess we had our first arrest of a person in our movement who was sort of arrested arrested in the line of duty. Really? And that was Tim Condon. He was trying to hand out flyers for the Free State Project mm-hmm. at a gun event. Where? And they arrested him. They arrested him for it. Where was this? Uh, I think it was in Florida. 
Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because Tim, I don't think, has ever moved to New Hampshire. He's always been an active supporter of the Free State Project. He's a, a supporter of Free Talk Live to some extent. And, in fact, he even wrote a letter to the judge in the Crypto 6 case. Nice. He's an attorney down in Florida. He's one of the earliest, I think, joiners of the Free State Project. It's but. surprising to me that somebody would join and then you know join the Free State Project, then also hand out flyers about the Free State Project at yeah, like some moved. gun rally, but not make the move. That's weird. Yeah. Well, I think he has ties in Florida, but he has bought land a long time ago in New Hampshire. I don't know if he still owns it or not, but uh, I didn't. I didn't even know that he had not moved in all these years. I thought he no. kind of at least kind of. Not that here. I'm aware of. At least the last time I spoke yeah. with him, which was a few weeks ago, he was still in Florida. Okay. Sounds like he hasn't put his money where his mouth is. Can you count a free stater getting arrested if they haven't actually moved to New Hampshire as an arrest related to the Free State Project? I mean, that seems like a stretch, Ridley. I think it's perfectly related. Right. Well, it's the first one even tangentially related <laughs> to the Free State Project. What was the? I, I, I think it may have happened before the state was picked. So. Mm, okay. Uh, what was the second yeah. thing? So the second thing that happened was, I guess, the first demonstration. Again, I'm not positive this was in 2003. It could have been early of 2004. Um, but um, uh, so uh, there was a demonstration against the Free State Project. It was the first time people had ever organized. <laughs> wow, that was pretty early. A what? demonstration, Where a was demonstration it? against libertarians. <laughs> Where was this? Uh, I don't remember, but Mike Fisher was there, and uh, he... I think he went out and like he gave out brownies to the de- to the people who were mm-hmm. demonstrating against this or something like that. Wow! So it was, it was brilliant. So, so Fisher was kind of like a Gandhi guy. Uh, yeah, Fisher. I remember him. Involved. He was the guy that got arrested. I don't know if it was like 2005. Uh, he got arrested for doing an unlicensed manicure, if I recall correctly. <laughs> Well uh, done, sir. Well done. He went out. If I recall, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Ridley. He went to the actual bureaucracy, like in Concord, the regulatory agency of manicurists. And he and I think it was Kat Canning, who has actually moved back to New Hampshire yeah. now. She's living here again. Uh, she was there, and I believe she was the recipient of the unlicensed manicure. And he was the giver of the unlicensed manicure. And the cops, they brought them out and they arrested him for giving that uh, unlicensed man. You manicure. can't have nice nails unless yeah. they're government approved. That's right. And did I tell that one right, Ridley, to your recollection? That is correct. Yeah. Another uh, another anyway, sad story that because he's was, another one that moved away. I mean, there's there's been so many I'm great... just trying to figure out like how would you even do a protest against the Free State Project when they haven't even decided where it's going to be yet? The 2004 they had decided. Well, this was this was after this was probably in late 2003 after the state. Oh, so that picked. so that was in and New Hampshire the first, then when the, where they did the, the protest. This is one of the first things that happened after the state got picked mm. that was significant. Interesting. And um so Not in my backyard, mister. <laughs> they, they weren't just demonstrating against us. I guess Governor Benson was giving a speech, and they were really angry that he had endorsed us and invited us to move here. They're still yeah. angry over it. So 20 yeah. years later, they're it, still butthurt about that uh, governor <laughs> saying he welcomed the Free State Project. How dare the governor of the Live Free or Die State invite people to move here <laughs> to live more freely? Right. Thank you, Ridley, for the call tonight, man. Thanks for sharing yeah. the, the story with us. I appreciate it. You highlight the ridiculousness. Perfect. Let's How go dare to, he? Josie yeah. is on the line in Virginia. Go ahead, Josie. Hello? Josie? Virginia? Going Josie? once? 
going twice. No, oh, see. Uh, she's not there after all. Uh-huh. Let's go to this caller. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi, it's Kevin in Florida. How Kevin. are you guys doing tonight? Good. You're on the air. What's on your mind, Kevin? Um, just want to make a couple of quick points. It's really terrific that you folks are covering the legacy media and the true radio history and all the results, the reasons for having print media. Just a quick point about the esotericness of this. Esoteric is only hidden if people don't go looking for the truth and use it to protect themselves like you gents and the rest of the free state people are doing up there in Keene. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate you guys partnering with 93.3 down in Tallahassee. Since I haven't used the internet for so long, if I hadn't found you folks on 93.3, I wouldn't be listening to Free Talk Live. All right. Thank you, I WVFT. Great station. Free state people. And I wouldn't know about all the rest of the stuff that you crypto folks are doing. Well, Kevin, just I hold that thought. We're going to, if you want to st- uh, stay with us here and get to whatever point you were going to make here, just stand by. Uh, we'll bring you back, Kevin, in Florida, in the Tallahassee area. If you want to jump in to the phones, we have them here at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And this is Free Talk Live. we got more coming up. cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending and there are a varieties of ways uh, that you can spend dash one of them was something called dash direct which we promoted for uh some time here on free talk live that sadly and I, I know for you captain this was a real bummer because you were a big user of dash direct prior to prior to dash even sponsoring free talk live you're a huge fan of this app because it allowed you to go and easily buy gift cards at a discount in most cases, for major brands, companies you certainly are probably doing business with today. Big ones that you've heard of, over 100-something thousand all across the United States. Unfortunately, the company behind Dash Direct went out of the crypto business due to all the government uh, crackdowns that have been going on, from what I understand. But the good news is Dash Direct wasn't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years, and they have a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refill cards, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. So you can actually live off your Dash using BitRefill.com, and many of their gift cards also come with a discount. So it ain't over. You just got to go check out BitRefill.com. Actually, prior to using Dash Direct, uh, BitRefill was you know one of the things yeah, on, on, on my list. And there's a few other sites that do similar things. Yep. Uh, I don't know that Dash is part of these other sites, but uh, BitRefill certainly was the number one go-to uh, before Dash Direct. Yeah, and the they app. got a huge selection, just like Dash Direct did. So yep. be sure you check them out. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets, plus now on the decentralized Maya protocol, oh. which is a decentralized exchange. So you no longer have to join centralized exchanges uh, to get your hands on some Dash. It is easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That's Dash.org. I was able to buy, I bought a, uh, a jigsaw at the Home Depot with Dash. Mm-hmm. 
Sweet. On, on demand using bit refill. Nice. Now, you're, I mean, most people probably aren't going to be able to do this. Uh, yeah, I had to fire up a VPN because if you just connect to the Home Depot's regular mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, if you try to do anything that like their Wi-Fi doesn't like, it's going to like, oh, oh, oh we, don't, we don't know why we can't access this site or whatever. So fire up a VPN, uh, you know, go to the, the automated checkout, the self-checkout, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's like, how do you want to pay? Or go to the card-only lane, and then you're like, oh, yeah, gift yeah. card. And then you could just stand there for a while. And if somebody's like, hey, can I help you, sir? Like, no, I'm just messing with the Wi-Fi. It's giving me troubles. I'll be all right in a minute, mm-hmm. right? And so you buy yourself enough time to actually do the transaction in bit refill for the exact amount. The exact amount. Okay. And then, you know, you just scan it. It's a QR code. You point mm-hmm. it at the thing, or you pull the scan gun, oh, and that's you point cool. it at the thing. And like, boom, 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 it's done. So- if you want to, you can still do on-demand gift card transactions. Or you can just buy the gift card in advance. Or you just carry buy a balance, which right? most other people yeah. do. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. We still have Kevin with us on the line in Florida listening to WVFT in Tallahassee. Wow, Kevin, what did you want to share so, tonight? Um, I will be quick because I know I tend to talk too much, but I never knew you could do that with Dash. You did that recently. I did, yeah. Couple days ago, I'm actually going to investigate Dash for crying out loud. I didn't know you could use <laughs> it like that. I will be looking into that. Um, I wanted to point out, like you gents were talking earlier tonight, about how paper news, I think the newspaper you're talking to might have been the Valley News. Because uh, years be. and years and years ago, when I was younger, there was a newspaper like that. that you're talking I, about just to, just to bring that. our listeners up to speed, Kevin, you're referring to. There was a paper in the Upper Valley of New Hampshire yep. that was going under, the and the, the government the stepped in. Upper Valley, right? Yeah. The federal, or not? Sorry, not the federal, but the state government stepped in with taxpayer <laughs> money to bail them out. Simply because they were one of the primary newspapers that covered that mm-hmm. whole area of the Upper Valley from White River Junction, well, well over almost to uh, not Franconia, but 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 far enough. Anyways, um, the point that I wanted to make out is that anybody who's interested as you guys are, in bringing out the news and truth, you guys should know about the internetarchive.org oh, yeah. and gutenberg.org. Do you guys have gutenberg.org? I'm not familiar with um, gutenberg.org, but I do uh, know Gutenberg of the Internet Archive. Is a website that has been putting books from the 1200s forward onto ebooks right in, because in there's internet. something so about the uh, if something's old enough there's no copyright and that kind of a thing so they can put whatever and there is all sorts of very very interesting books from the reconstruction of the war between the states oh, and yeah. uh, 5440 or fight which had to do with the mexican war with the united states the sovereign states over yeah. texas's entry and many, many other books. All one need do is look. There's well over 60,000 texts there wow. that need to be read in order for people, men and women, to comprehend what's going on. What's the, the URL for that? Gutenberg. Gutenberg.org. Gutenberg.org, Gutenberg. okay. yes. It's, uh, uh, they used to be called Project Gutenberg, but that's what it is. It's Gutenberg.org, and it's a group of volunteers that have been scanning stuff since it was a bulletin board at 115 kilobaud. Nice. So Damn. what I wanted to – what I, I used to use that myself. That's amazing. But to point out the value of paper newspapers, part of my research from 10, 20 years ago – was an article that is older than me. This is August 1967. Your Concord Monitor 
from you guys' neck of the woods, so to speak. I granted it's conquered, but that's still mm-hmm. who you folks have to deal with. The article is from um, like August 4th or 5th because it references an advertisement for be guest at Sunday school on August the 6th of 1967. So this newspaper is older than I am. Mm-hmm. And it references an argument from the 1720s over the township of Rumford, which is what Concord was originally granted mm. from King George II to the settlers of the New Hampshire colony. And what happened was when there was a bunch of men and women, farmers in Bow, who wanted to keep their homes separate from Concord, which was Rumford at the time, the Rumford people went back to King George to argue the fact that they should be removed from their land and that their land should then become part of Concord, which was still Rumford at the point. Um, The article discusses... So just to follow what you're saying here, let me make sure I understood. You're saying the people Mm -hmm. of the... There's a town called Bow in New Hampshire, B-O-W. It's south of Concord. You're saying the people in uh, what was then Rumford, which became Concord apparently, wanted to annex the town of Bow into their their town? They wanted to take their land. And they wanted to use the king's power to do this at the town? Correct. Okay. Wow. This, This occurred in... Uh, Let me get to the point in the article. It discusses the villagers had lost their authority to govern themselves. This is the village of Bow Mm -hmm. because Rumford had elected Benjamin Rolfe as a representative to the assembly in 1749 when he arrived in Portsmouth where Benning Wentworth was seated as the governor. This was long before Concord became the government of New Hampshire. The assembly refused to seat him, and the district law, which gave Rumford legal status as a self-governing community, was not renewed. Since those villagers had lost their authority to govern themselves, they could not collect taxes or provide for policing, nor could they provide for their church. Legally, no one in the village had to do anything. The reasons for the assembly refusing to seat the Rumford representative were buried in a transparent land grab dating back to 1727. The author of this article is L-O-R-E-N-M-O-R-R-I-L-L. I do not know if the Concord Monitor has this stuff on their website. I doubt very much. Why did you bring this up, though? I'm curious. Like, it's just a bit of history. Because, How's it because, relevant? Because of the concept of a free state where men and women choose what they want for a township, for a village, what laws they choose to govern themselves with, instead of at this point in 1726, 27, 49, there being a king, George II, specifically for them, who decided, you know, there's a point in here where one of the reverends goes to London to confront the king's council over the argument between the settlers of Bow who want to keep themselves separate from Rumford, instead of the men and women doing like you men and women are doing, deciding for yourselves, which goes back to who owns the land. It's not a government property. You can't pick up a forest and move it. You can pick up a house. That's a piece of property. You can pick up a car. But the one who made the land is the one who owns it. 
And that's what, if I comprehend what you men and women are doing, is what you're attempting to do with this concept of the Free State Project. No, it would be nice to not have to go to the king in Washington, D.C. and beg for anything at all. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for the call tonight. I I appreciate it. But it just sounds to me like the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, it sounds like an appeal to authority, right? right? There was the king in the 1700s, and now there's a king of 535 little kings together that rule over us in D.C. Sounds like ancient Karening, right? Oh, I can't get my way dealing with the people in front of me, so I'm going to escalate this to your supervisor, (laughs) which just happened to be in in London and happened to be the king at that point. Well, I mean, that's progress, right? (laughs) What we need is just 300 million kings instead of 300. Yes. Well, that was supposed to be the idea of mm, sovereignty, right? That was right? supposed to be the idea. Well, of individual uh, sovereignty. Let's be clear. And, and what's that wacky is, is that, the idea of individual yeah, yeah. sovereignty. It's just, its application fell to the wayside. Yeah, right. And what's wacky is the court system even acknowledged that really early on. It was uh, Lansing versus Smith said, okay, since the revolution happened, all of the powers that used to belong to the king now have devolved onto the individuals or the states. So every single power that had been a monarch's now was each individual's. That was the idea. Nice Good luck idea. with that, though. Yeah, it's a nice idea. It is a nice I su- idea. I support that. Well, and that's the thing. It became acceptable for these powerful people to have power over others. Oh, well, these are special law-making people. They're, they're above you, even though they're, what, my peers? Because mm. they can be in a court of law to judge me? Isn't that... Wasn't that the idea that we have peers to judge us instead of someone over us to be judged by? So many good ideas. So So many good ideas. So many failures to implement. No chance it was ever going to succeed, unfortunately. Because as long as you accept the idea that there are different rules for different people, then you're going to have a system like this. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. We were talking about the failure of the news business, specifically the old media. We had Dave Ridley call in and bemoan the idea that even though we have access to the Internet and it's cheaper now than it's ever been to create media content, you can mm-hmm. put it together for next to zero cost. In fact, that's what Ridley used to teach, he used to have a class that he taught at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival and and sometimes outside of that. And you'd sign up for like, it was just like a one-day class where he would just show you how he does his Ridleos, where he just basically shoots it in the camera. He doesn't sit down and edit the thing. He just does it on the camera and then it's ready to go because there's no editing uh, that he does. It's a very, very, very efficient process to get something out there, get a little news piece or an update or whatever uh, out there. I took his class one one year, once upon a time, so I'm familiar with uh, with that process. Did you make an E and O? No, that's okay. a terrible name for for something. Frame and O. But no, I, I wanted to learn the, the his tricks of the trade. I already knew how to do video recording, and just wanted to see what you know what what Ridley brought to yeah. uh, to the process that was different. Because he was, as I said, a professional editor uh, working in the, the news business, and now he's burned out. Now he's burned out on making what are relatively low cost videos because to him just getting a couple hundred views just wasn't it to him isn't worth doing and it's 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 frustrating because there's so much good content out there there's so many good creators yeah. but there's such a glut of options out there now it's hard to cut through the noise yeah. 
And so I, I get where he's coming from with, with that frustration. It doesn't stop us here. We don't care. <laughs> if yeah. only 50 people but listen, I mean, like, we're still here. It's not the only, we'll call it industry, that that's happened to the music industry. I mean, this thing that I'm about to say is true. Mm-hmm. It used to be there were hundreds of bands selling millions of albums. Right. Now there's millions of bands selling hundreds, hundreds of, of albums. albums. Yeah, and if you can sell a thousand, it's like you're doing great, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so we were talking about Gannett, which is the number one news, quote unquote, company out there and how they've just basically slashed and burned and consolidated, taking over the number two company in 2019, then basically cutting their staff down by more than 50 percent. And there's just a few more numbers here that I thought were worthy of sharing from NeimanLab.org's report on just how bad it really is, because, you know, these Companies have been closing, right? Like businesses, newspapers have been, in many cases, going out of business entirely, not just slashing back, not just cutting back in some cases to three uh, papers per week, uh, which we've seen that happening in major markets. But they point out here that also uh, Gannett, again, having eliminated more than half its jobs in four years, uh, it's as if merging, instead of merging America's two largest newspaper chains, one of them was simply wiped off the face of the earth. And that's a su- cut substantially deeper than the rate of newspaper revenue decline. Why? Well, one reason is that in order to get the merger done, Gannett had to take out a giant loan at high interest rates. Can you imagine taking a loan out to buy a newspaper? That's dying. Uh, right. You're, you, I mean, just anyone at all getting into this particular business is like crazy. Mm-hmm. But to then take a loan out to do it, it'd be, it would be one thing if you were a millionaire or a billionaire or right. something. And, you know, the Keen Sentinel is failing here in Keen. And you're like, ah, it's just a few million dollars. I'll rescue it. And then you just subsidize it for the rest yeah. of eternity. That would be one thing. But to go into debt to buy a newspaper, not just one newspaper, but literally hundreds of them. So I'm wondering why some of these, uh, like the smaller publications that are having tough times, like why don't they go like the Patreon way? Right? Oh, some of them are. In fact, are uh, the, very, the very keen sentinel we were talking about has been begging for donations for ever since COVID. Okay, but like, I mean, use a platform. Get your actual subscribers onto a platform, and then you can tell whether or not your content is you know pertinent to your subscriber base by well the subscribers well they have that i mean they have the online uh paywall and the subscriptions and all that but they actually have besides just paying for a subscription they've been doing fundraisers completely separate from paying for subscriptions it's like if you support local news you should help keep us alive basically is what it's come down to uh, so Gannett, again, took out this huge loan, meaning hundreds of millions in revenues have had to be redirected to making debt payments. So to put it in perspective, in quarter four of 2022, digital subscriptions at Gannett newspapers, all of them in total, brought in $35.5 million. But the company spent more than that, $47.3 million, just on debt payments alone. And you can see this in the shrinkage in the number of newspapers that Gannett publishes. In 2019, post-merger, it owned 261 daily and 302 weekly newspapers. Three years later, by the end of 2022, those totals were 217 daily and 175 weekly newspapers. How does any business uh, spend more than it takes in? Well, I'm glad you asked. Like in this economy, like 
I, well, no, no, no. It's a it's a fair question, but the way our entire monetary system works is you have to run faster and faster to stay where you are. But that also means that you can do absurd things like have a negative earnings, but you can qualify for more loans. Mm. And as long as you qualify for more and more loans, then not only can you uh, can you maintain, you can actually expand. But if you've spent more than you're earning, what institution in the right mind would give you a loan? You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. So, if you have, uh, okay, let's the say the government so, would, right? Right. So, uh, and I mean that I could see. Yeah. Right. And to there's keep a their certain amount of open. yeah. There is that, but there's also a certain amount of like, okay, well, you own you know X number of uh, computers or whatever machinery or something like that. Okay, so there's there's a collateral for some amount of loan. Yeah. But the thing is, once you've gotten that loan, as long as you're making payments on your loan, then anyone else can go. Oh no, this they've got a great credit rating. Mm. Look at this loan. They've had this much loan, and they've been just they making payments. payments, and they're not paying any of the principal. Mm. That makes them a great loan. We'd love to to lend you even more money. So, practical application, I take out a $100,000 loan to open a pizza restaurant, mm -hmm. right? It, just delivery only, no restaurant, right? right. Just, we're just mm -hmm. plain delivery, $100,000. I rent a space, I buy some equipment, and I operate for, we'll say, the first year, and uh, I I only make fifty grand right. that first year, but I've borrowed 100000 How do I stay afloat? Well, it's a restaurant. You're probably going under. Well, <laughs> that depends. So that's the thing. If you can find more creditors, then you can find creditors to pay off your creditors. So I if you've see. been making okay. payments on this loan, then you can go find so another creditor. So if you show some sort of financial look, growth, you know, with your profit and loss statement that, you know, hey, look, we're on the we're, we're, we're coming up. We're making more money every month or quarter or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then you can take your entire business to a different creditor. They might that take creditor the might might take the risk, pay off mm -hmm. your previous creditor and then afford yeah. you some more money. And that might sound crazy. It does sound crazy. If it weren't for the Cantillion effect. What's the so Cantillion the effect? That sounds like a made up number. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I spent a cantillion dollars. Uh, well, and to be fair, we're talking about cantillionaires here. So uh, the cantillion effect is basically that the closer you are to the money spigot, the more that actually matters. So right, right. if you mm -hmm. are, for example, the very closest to it is the, the people who are passing the laws to spend the money. Mm -hmm. So the congressmen, they have first dibs on that money. Right. Second dibs is all of the people that they're paying off the for The military-industrial right. complex. Military-industrial complex, giant corporations, pharmaceutical, like that, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies. companies, oil companies, mm -hmm. oil companies, oil companies, oil companies. Um, now, after that, it all filters its way down and filters its way down until it actually flips negative for anyone who's using like anything that's a fixed amount. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. So all these giant corporations, financial corporations that are offering the credit are real close to those money spigots. Mm -hmm. So as long as you keep making payments, it's in their best interest because the money keeps flowing. Right. So more and more and more money comes out, and they're just getting more and more from their payments. And this is why, like, regular people who might have an entrepreneurial spirit might desire, maybe they got a skill or a product or a service that they want to offer, it, this type of financial voodoo, if you mm -hmm. will, this type of, like, you know, unrealistic yet 
seems to be happening all the time. Most people are beyond the grasp of this type of information. And so they never step forward into the realm of entrepreneurship. Mm hmm. You know, you have to look at the uh, the news situation with, uh, I think there's a particular perspective that's worth looking at, because we can see, like, from our perspective as a business, it seems like it's a terrible idea, right? Like, this is not going to succeed. And how long are we away from the federal government coming in and literally buying these businesses? I mean, they will, I don't think they would do it just straight out, right? But what if they bought some stock in Gannett, for instance? What if they bought a significant chunk of stock in Gannett? Maybe it would be the Federal Reserve or something like that. Well, some, I think you and I both know that the government would love nothing more than to own all of the media. Yeah, I mean, but would they do well, it in the open, or would they have some sort of sneaky way of going about doing it? Well, yeah, oh, they, they would. They, they can't. Would, yeah, would the government be sneaky? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The government would be sneaky. So, as much as I will, uh, you know, say, oh, well, they're dinosaurs, they're slow moving. When it comes to this stuff, the government's actually been uh, pretty on the spot. Like, yeah, they they have been moving their propaganda machine from the New York Post to Google, mm-hmm. for example. So, yeah, they have been keeping up with the times. And, yeah, if we start pulling our readership away from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of those ones that they have heavy influence in, then, yes, they will find uh, sneaky ways of propping those up and making sure to give your printed money to their buddies. Well, the other thing about that is they can spend all the taxpayer money or the printed money that they want to to buy up Gannett and these other you know struggling media platforms but what they can't do is force people to read them and that's where these subscriber numbers of course come into play because we've seen gannett is cutting dramatically the jobs they're cutting the actual papers they're just destroying hundreds of of local papers uh and and a big part of this is that they make it illegal to compete with a lot of these companies in the easiest ways so they make higher and higher barriers to entry to any kind of competition so then you have to see what yahoo news says there's more coming up here if you want to weigh in the number 603-283-6160 and are you guys back with beard talk live tonight we are a triumphant return after a week off well much needed respite uh you guys are coming back tonight that'll be 10 30 eastern time and you can find it at watch.freetalklive.com we got a full hour to go here on free talk live more coming up free talk live it's free talk live and we're kicking off the third hour here you can bring up anything you want to talk about the number is 603-283-6160 what happens when a rating an economics rating drops from triple a to double a well, we're going to find out a little bit later in the show what does that even mean the batteries don't fit rating has dropped why are we talking about this well we'll find that out coming up here peakless mountaineer has that story uh it's ian peakless mountaineer and captain kickass with you tonight we've been talking um, about the dire situation that the newspaper business and the news business in general is finding itself in if you want to weigh in on that you're welcome to join us in fact that's where we're going here with josie on the line in virginia josie you're on free talk live go ahead Hello, hello. I just wanted to tell you that it's Gannett newspaper business. Uh, oh, I mispronounced Gannett, uh, apparently. the Gannett, number. yeah. Don't, you can call him up if you don't believe me. My husband was in the newspaper business, however, and I've heard it. Uh, if Gannett I called him, I wouldn't years. expect anyone to answer the phone. That's that's the only problem. It doesn't <laughs> seem like there's anyone problem, there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I hope they do manage to stay in business. I am very much concerned that people are not being informed before elections, for example, or when they are deciding on who they want for their congressman or senator. I mean, I think people are often just voting because they the party and the party doesn't and the parties change mm-hmm. and they're not and the and the man that people want to kick out of some people want to kick him out. Um, well, we found that was true when our co-host, uh, Aria DeMezzo, who's sadly now in a federal prison camp yeah. in Devons, Massachusetts, for the dastardly crime, non-crime, of uh, selling Bitcoin without a government permission slip, when she ran for office here as a candidate for sheriff, as a Republican, uh-huh. she got a ton of votes in the Republican primary. She won the Republican primary uh, because she had an R next to her name. And they didn't know. The Republicans had no idea they were voting for a tranny, uh, you know, a person yep. who, <laughs> you know, red hair is an anarchist and uh, an atheist or whatever, yeah. you know. That's the problem. That is a problem. Satanist. What in the Sorry. world are we going to do to get the, the people informed before they vote? It's well, just, here's I the think- thing, Josie. I mean, you said you hope Gannett or Gannett stays in business. But the problem is, even though they're in business, doesn't mean people are getting informed. As the story, that's another problem. Yes. So the story that we're pointing out here from NeimanLab.org that is getting into the numbers about what's going on with this. The largest newspaper company that has, well, they had hundreds of papers, but they've closed more than a hundred of them. Uh, is that they've they've slashed the staff down so low? There's literally hardly anyone working at these papers. So what you're seeing happen is the worst kind of syndication where these quote-unquote local papers are all being filled with content from the top, meaning that there's not really any local reporters anymore working the beat. That's just the problem. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Now we have the Richmond Times-Dispatch here in Richmond. However, however that's done is, I mean, when they say um, they don't have a person's name, the reporter who did the article, and the article would be some hard left something or other, mm-hmm. God knows where, and and they say, um, I can't remember the name of what they use. They, It's a sort of a generalized name that they give, and that's not informing. Now we have people like John um, Fredericks here or in the area, uh, and also he's buying newspapers in um, Pennsylvania and other places, and he wants to, he says he's trucking the truth. <laughs> John Fredericks is the owner of, I happen to know the name, he's the owner of radio stations that we're on, that that air Free Talk Live in Virginia and a couple of other states, and we're on his stations on the weekends uh, live, so I'm glad to hear that he's trying to breathe some life into... With regular, regular, um, at least with the radio talk shows that he's uh, put together, um, that's good, Um, but if you're talking about newspapers, well, what he is made is um, like uh, virginiastar.com, but it's a .com, but it's mm-hmm. everybody. I don't have a computer. I don't do computers. I don't like them. I don't want to get the radiation. I don't want any of, anything to do with them, but I do mm-hmm. like the way uh, we used to do things. However, if but people are not going to uh, the star, uh, virginiastar.com or georgiastar.com. It's just uh, maybe they are some. So just to clarify, like he is not printing an actual print paper? 
Exactly. Okay. Well, unfortunately, Josie, I mean, whether you like it or not, that's the direction things are going. And, I and agree. I agree. Gannett and these other companies that are trying to keep the old old ways alive are doomed, you know, for the old ways of doing things. It, it is, is never going to It's gonna... so nice to have something in front of you. And if you want to cut out an article and show it to somebody or whatever, it's just so nice. That I don't you, disagree you with you, actually. You I like the physical I, I do disagree, thing. actually. Like, mm-hmm. the, the one advantage I find is that they can't remotely change the story on you. But, I mean, you can have your, your story in front of you. And when you yeah. want to share it with someone, you don't have to physically be present with them to give it to them. Mm, that and is that's, true. And that's pretty convenient. I, I don't like know. It. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, and I'm not an old person, right? Like, I'm in my 40s. Uh, when I had the Onion, the print version of the Onion that I had a subscription to, I literally read that thing most of the time, cover to cover. Now I wouldn't always read the AV section completely, but the yeah. full, like, actual Onion paper part, I would read every single story in that because it would sit next to the toilet for an entire week, and you know I had enough yeah. time, and it was an interesting <laughs> enough paper to where I could do that. I was that but way with Mad Magazine. As soon as they stopped printing the Onion, I barely ever looked at the website. Yeah. So yeah, there was just yeah. something about having the physical thing. It was it was just like it felt like you'd completed it when it was done. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know? mm-hmm. and maybe that's a good. Well, how thing. are we going to be informed? With by all, by with doing all research. Well, uh, by yeah, finding you, things you, out. You bring up a, a very good point, and that is uh, the internet versus the newspaper. I mean, it doesn't matter so much which version of the media you're getting. The information has been out there. Uh, Josie's talking about, you know, how are people going to be informed with such things as like voting for their next, you know, mayor or congressman or whatever. The information is out there. The problem Mm -hmm. is no one looks at it. Everybody votes from their gut. They vote in the same way that they choose which drive-through to get their burger from, (laughs) right? Just the one that's most convenient. Yeah, no, I'm just generalizing how people vote. I just don't know how we can tell people that this is not the truth. I mean, so many papers that are out there are leaving a l- half of the story out because mm-hmm. they don't want people to be informed in this direction. They want them to be informed only in the direction that they are going in, which is left, which <laughs> scares me to death. That yeah. our well, but that's be always of- been the case. Yeah. Like the, the, This isn't new. Mm-hmm. Newspapers have always done that. It's just that they're finally getting caught. Josie, thanks for the call tonight. I do appreciate hearing from you here. The number is 603-283-6160. I mean, it has always been a challenge. As you point out, the the media has had a certain slant, and the the way you deal with that is by creating the competition that brings the eyes and the ears to that alternative. And 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 the the Internet has made that more possible now than it ever has. But it's still hard. Let's not pretend that government interference with, like, Facebook and Instagram, for example, uh, is just the first time they've interfered with media. No, 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 no. They were doing it with newspapers a long time ago. It was just a little more difficult for them to do at that point. So... Uh, you know, the the media itself might change, but it seems like the more things change, the more they stay the same. So per capita newspaper circulation has been declining in the U.S. since World War II. This is from NeimanLab.org. So it's hardly shocking that it's still dropping. If you're the New York Times, you might have been able to more than make up the loss in print subscribers with digital ones. But for most local papers, digital gains are nowhere near big enough to stop the print bleeding. And still, Gannett's newspapers stand out for their steep angle of their decline. We're talking about this failure of the number one news company out there, quote unquote, uh, in the paper business.
business. An important caveat up front, different paper companies use different standards and make different choices in the numbers they report, and those choices can change over time. So Gannett has stopped reporting some of its digital subscribers to the Alliance for uh, Audited Media, for example, and some papers still count many more non-paying readers than others. Comparisons across papers in years are always going to be imprecise, but these are the numbers they are reporting to the industry body. Here are the Sunday circulation numbers for the pre-merger Gannett's largest local papers according to their own filings with the Alliance for Audited Media. They're going to compare two numbers here, two sets. Quarter three of 2018, this was before they merged with the second largest news company, to then three years later, Quarter three of 2022, sorry, four years uh, later, quarter three of 2022. You're looking at huge declines. Detroit Free Press from 217,000 subscribers to 103,000. That's a 52% decline in four years. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is from your neck of the woods, right? It's pronounced Milwaukee Urinal. (laughs) It's a soft J. (laughs) Apparently people have figured that one out because it went from 170,000 to 75,000, a more than 56% decline (laughs) in four years. Years. I'm just skipping some of these things, but the Des Moines Register down from 129,000 to 39,000 people in four years. That's a 69% decline. The Indianapolis Star down 74% from 196,000 to 50,000 from quarter three 2018 to quarter three 2022. Mm. This is the time frame that they're cutting back staff. And just being brutalized. What what do the de, what do the decline numbers in telegram transmissions look like from you know eighteen hundred until now, right? Like it's oh, just quite a bit. It's a reflection yeah. of the tech, right? Yeah, it it's is. literally a reflection and, of the tech. Oh, and these newspapers I, should die if they're going. To. Yeah, and their readers remember, are dying so, off. So Denver had two main papers, right? Mm-hmm. And and they had somewhat different uh, political slants. They were both a little bit uh, a little bit lefty, but one was way more left than the other. Mm-hmm. And they would have, you know, different perspectives, and that would be kind of how people would, you know, th- those of us that care about such things would try to get a, a more a more balanced perspective on a given story. And I remember when they merged, and it was because the oh, wow. internet had come into place. How long ago was this? Oh, this was oh, like 20 years ago, honestly. So, yeah, it was because the internet had come out, and we had better ways of getting information, so these two were merging. And I remember that. I'm like, oh, this is this is a sea change, because yeah. mm-hmm. what had been at least at least on the surface, had been competition. And now, oh no, we're not even pretending that there is a competing narrative here. You mentioned, there is a uh, single narrative for Denver now. You mentioned the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's important about that in related in relation to what Peakless just mentioned, those used to be two different newspapers. Oh, it used also. to be the Milwaukee Journal and then the competing Milwaukee Sentinel. Sentinel. Oh. And they also merged mm-hmm. in the same way as the Denver newspapers did and became the Milwaukee Journal slash Sentinel. And so they actually provide another chart just by com- by means of comparison to look at non-Gannett papers, other mm. papers around the country that are, you know, not owned by this mega conglomerate. Uh, and just to give you an example, the Seattle Times, uh, Captain, where you used to live, is uh, only down 2.9% in that t- uh, same four-year period. So mm. from 259,000 to 252. Some of them are down more significantly, like uh, the Miami Herald down about 40% from 122,000 to 73,000. But none of these other papers are 50, 60, 70% reductions. There may be 30 or 40. They're still dying. They're still going to, to perish. It's just not as bad. 
But he says, I haven't yet mentioned the most important Gannett paper. Okay. USA Today. Oh, yeah. In quarter three of 2018, USA Today reported a total daily circulation of 2.6 million. Yeah. In 2022, that was down to 180,000. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when USA Today was a brand new newspaper. Yeah. Like, like literally, there were commercials on television for it. They were like, now you can get the most new, you know, I don't know what their slogans were or whatever, but they had, you know, they would show on their television commercials the new shape and mm-hmm. design of their newspaper box. They like redid newspaper yeah. boxes and all that kind of stuff. And like that was their advertising, their marketing campaign to get people <laughs> to read their newspaper was to do television ads. Wow. Uh, let's see what other things to point out here. Oh, he asked Gannett for a comment on their decline, and their spokesperson sent this statement. Gannett continues to make tremendous progress on our strategic priorities, which include a focus on increasing digital growth. We have an increasingly engaged digital audience with digital-only subscription revenue growing nearly 30% year over year. Digital-only subscriptions grew to over 2 million during the fourth quarter of 2022. Since the second quarter of 2022, paid digital-only subscriptions have outnumbered full access or print subscriptions. So mm. uh, what does that, you know, does that mean that they're going to be able to survive in the digital age? Well, what it does mean is that they're going to have like a USA Today basically for the whole country and there's going to be very little local anything. I think there's a different story that I have that actually gets into, we're not going to talk about it tonight, I, didn't put it into show prep, but sure. I did read through it, and it was all about like the last guy that quit at one of these Gannett papers. Yeah. Like there was literally one guy, and they would have to to like cook up stories essentially for the whole state of whatever newspapers there were in the state. And the radio business had this happen as well. You, you mentioned consolidation, mm-hmm. uh, Peakless, where at Clear Channel, which is now iHeartMedia. They would, uh, they, what happened was they brought in a computer automation system in the late 1990s. Right. And like the writing was on the wall then. It's like now you can have some guy in a different city record audio that can then be shipped instantaneously to a different city. Right. And that person can go, quote, on the air. When they're not even in the studio, they're not in there at all. They don't, they don't live in the marketplace, but they're a different voice for the station. And they started replacing all the overnight people right. with like the afternoon drive guy in Tampa was doing overnights in uh, the town that I lived in, south mm-hmm. of Tampa. You know, so they're, they're cutting costs in that way right. and just consolidating as much as they possibly could. So we've, we've seen this happen where the sort of the content came from on top, from corporate. If you ever went to like an iHeartMedia, it's probably still true today. If you ever go to one of their websites, and then you go to a different website of a different iHeart station in a different state, you'll see the exact same news story right. is there at the top of the website. And that's because there's like a central clearinghouse of stories that they're putting out there and then the local stations are just kind of picking up a feed. Yeah. Well, it, it begs the question for everybody listening or thinking about this topic, what is news? And then if you can define that, what is the news industry, hmm. right? Because it seems to me that there really isn't or maybe shouldn't be an industry of news. There should just hmm. be news, right? And it should be written and brought to you by, well, the people who, you know, think it's worthy of sharing. Hmm. 
Well, and that's that's actually a really old argument, and uh, there there was some very heated debate back in the day about whether or not news media should be allowed to do advertising. Right. And most countries came down on the side of, no, if it's the news, it can't be advertising. Right. And this country came down on the side of, no, nah, it's fine, we're a capitalist country, it's fine to advertise. And, I mean, it's it, it cuts both ways, honestly. It's it's just trade-offs. Uh, what's mm-hmm. uh, what, I think it was Hayek that said uh, there are no solutions, only trade-offs, and that's exactly what you get with the question of will you allow uh, paid advertising for for news media? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, if your job is coming up with what is worth telling about, that seems a little sketchy. Shouldn't you leave that to human beings? Right. But it's it's tricky though because people live in different worlds now. I mean, now more than ever. I mean, to to the first point is just like, okay, the left versus the right. but uh, And that's your primary divide of like completely different worlds yeah. of like, are we under attack from white supremacists or has our rightful leader been ousted? I mean, like completely different worlds. Yeah. So what is even true at that CNN point? CNN versus Fox News, for let, example. Right. Yeah. Let alone something like... Uh, so us, for example, if you if you tell them, if you tell your average person, well, the government said X, Y, and Z, they're like, that's the truth. That is gold standard, hundred percent. I can take that to the bank. That I am sure that that's what's happening. Now you now if you tell us X, <laughs> Y, and Z, and I'm like, well, where'd you get that? Yeah. Oh, the government told me. We're like. You know, I believe it less than average now. Yeah. Or probably going to do what I just did, which is laugh at it. Right. Right. So, so I mean, that's a completely different world. Yeah. And I, I, I'm really curious to find out exactly how we're going to solve the problem, because it used to be just there was only this information available. Well, so we mm-hmm. all knew, it, well, this is the information, yeah. the news. I think news, just like everything else, should be decentralized. Mm-hmm. Right. What's news to me may not be news to you. Mm-hmm. Because, like... Uh, is it a thing I care about? That's the first question, right? No. Okay, well, then I don't need to see it, hear it, or read it if mm-hmm. I don't care about it, you know? If somebody else in my community or my circle, my Dunbar number of people, mm-hmm. you know, bring something to me and is like, hey, Captain, I think you should check out. I'm going to mm-hmm. be more than willing to check that out because of the person bringing it to me. You know, if I have respect for that person and I think they're a reputable person and they, you know, care about me and all that kind of thing. But if it's some giant media conglomerate company feeding me something, yeah. I, I just have no use for that anymore. Well, we've, we've seen some of the decentralization. Uh, Seymour Hirsch, if I recall, is now on Substack. Mm-hmm. And I believe Glenn Greenwald ended up on Substack. So some of the uh, the biggest reporters in the last four decades have broken away from the old media either because they got fired or because they saw again the writing on the wall and they knew what was coming they saw the subscriber numbers i mean how long are you going to stay if you're a respected journalist and you are working at one of these gannett papers if you still have your job that is because they've slashed more than half the employees and you're looking at the subscriber numbers dropping by thousands every single year to where you can go online and maybe you put something really important out there and you can have way more subscribers on your own right. website that mm-hmm. you have total editorial control over. Right. 
that's got to be really attractive mm-hmm. to some of these people. And, and that's going to be the real solution to this problem of like, oh, well, do we advertise or not? Well, let's try both. We'll have some people reporting information and also, you know, trying to shill and pitch and having supporting advertising. Yeah. And other people, like they'll do the, the Seymour Hirsch uh, model of like uh, Substack. Okay, right. I won't try and sell you anything. But if you just want my me reporting, to, right. But if you want me to keep talking, you better give me some money or I'll have to do something else. Who is the most effective journalist uh, in our lifetimes? Hmm. Well, that's a tough question. Somebody else still alive or yeah. most Her- effective journalist in our lifetimes? Yeah. I'm not too familiar with the world of journalism, so I don't know if I can really answer the question. I mean, I'm not Hirsch either, is a good, I, is I, a good I've example. Got a good, I've got a good stab. It's Julian Assange. Mm. Yeah, WikiLeaks specifically, yeah. because yeah. nothing WikiLeaks has ever put out has ever been debunked in any way, shape, or form. That's true. Or proven false. That's true. That's true. That's and I would, I would easily make the claim that he is has been, through WikiLeaks, the most impactful mm-hmm. of journalists. I mean, a lot of what we're seeing right now with the distrust that we have in media and in government exists because he uncovered the facts right. here's the evidence that not only not only did media not tell you the truth they knew the truth and then didn't tell you right and then fed right. you this false narrative this is what i like about the exodus of uh, news people personalities if you will from news companies mm-hmm. right because now they're saying they themselves are saying hey what i'm doing isn't right i'm gonna go over here now and do it the way i wanted to and that their followers they're building their brand they're gonna be followed by the people who respect to them and listen to them and that kind of and thing. And they're going to get people who've never heard of them before, too. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as long as that grows, that means more competition, more decentralization, right. everybody wins. All right, there's more coming up. You can join us on Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. If you want to join the show, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about the decline and the inevitable decline of the news business, quote-unquote, specifically the newspaper business, but television news isn't far behind. I'd just like to point that out. Uh, you know, radio's hanging on, I think, pretty well in comparison, but all old media is struggling to stay relevant. That is an absolute fact. Uh, but newspapers is worse than, than uh, it's ever been, and the number one company, which is like being the, the you know, number one form of cancer or whatever in this particular case is apparently i was mispronouncing it earlier we had josie call in virginia to correct me it's gannett apparently uh gannett which is the biggest owner of newspapers in the country has been slashing jobs their subscriber numbers have been plummeting they have a fraction in many cases of the subscribers. The USA Today was their uh, readership numbers. Just to be clear, this wasn't actually apparently a subscriber number. It's just circulation. Because remember, that includes like what they call the pass-around rate, where if you buy a paper and then you give it to your mom to read or something, that, that counts as two people, even though they only sold one paper. But the uh, circulation for USA Today, which is their top paper... Went from 2.6 million to four years later, uh, this was 20, 2018, in 2022, that number was down to 180,000. And then their uh, paid print circulation was 579,000 down to 134,000. This is in just four years. But this article over at NeemanLab.org, which I think is really well written, it's got a lot of interesting numbers in it, and it's well presented. He says, let me finish by looking at just one Gannett paper. The one I grew up reading, the Daily Advertiser of Lafayette, Louisiana. 
It's far from the company's most important paper, number 109 in circulation among their dailies, but it's important to me. He says, I read it nearly every day. Mm-hmm. Lafayette is a city of just 121,000 and the hub of a region of half a million people. Here's what happened to the advertiser's Sunday circulation. That's the big one, right? That's where all the advertisements are. That's where, that's where if you're going to buy a paper during the week, you buy the Sunday paper, right? In 2015, it was 26,885. I'm going to skip through some years. 2018, which was the numbers we've been comparing, 14,670. Lost 10,000 wow. subscribers in three years. To 2022, down to 3,996. Less than four grand. Yeah, lost another 10,000 uh, subscribers in just four years. That's an 85% decline since 2015. You know what numbers I'd like to see decline like that? The government supporters. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so when you get numbers like that, boy, wouldn't life be grand? The numbers include both print and digital, though. And remember, the statement from the company that we read earlier that he got was all about pumping up their digital and how great the digital was doing, right? Remember that statement? Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the digital numbers for the Lafayette, uh, what was it called? The uh, Daily Advertiser. Which is a horrible name. Yeah, for... That's right. At least they're being honest. I right? guess. Uh, but uh, 2015... They had 1,421 digital subscribers. Not a lot, mind you, but something. 2018, still 1,473. They grew by 50 in uh, in three years. 2022, 468. That's not growth. That is a, uh, a tremendous cut in digital subscribers. But then again, why would you subscribe? Why would you continue a subscription to a quote-unquote local paper that continues to gut any local content. And he gives an example. So all that decline has come amid round after round of budget cuts. You can debate the direction of causation, how much the cuts were driven by declining revenues versus how much the declining revenues were driven by the cuts, but in the end, the result is the same, a newspaper that is today an embarrassing product. The advertiser reported having 17 newsroom employees in 2020, and it still had a handful of people covering hard news as recently as last year. But a combination of cuts, buyouts, and escapes left it with exactly one local news reporter by January of this year. Wow. Its staff directory is stuffed with reporters who left months ago. There are now days when zero news stories out of Lafayette are published. The copy hole is filled by stories from Wires, Gannett's one reporter, State Capitol Bureau, one guy. So they got one guy covering, quote unquote, the whole state or other Gannett, Louisiana papers, all of which look like thinly reskinned versions of each other. It misses obvious stories. It runs press releases and error filled copy. Its morning email is stuffed to overflowing with stories about LSU basketball simply because Gannett actually has someone outside the advertiser who covers LSU basketball. Right. The local college team in Lafayette is the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, and they had a big weekend. On Monday, they won the Sun Belt men's basketball tournament, meaning they'll go on to March Madness and the NCAA. I told you I'd had this story for a little while. Yeah. Uh, for the first time since 2014. Was this mentioned in Tuesday's newspaper? No. Was the fact they were even playing in the conference final mentioned in Monday's newspaper? No. Probably the single biggest local sports story in the past year, and you wouldn't know about it reading the advertiser. Okay, so this is... I'm trying to to combobulate my thoughts here. Um, The guy who wrote this article Mm -hmm. 
found out about all these, we'll call them obvious stories. news stories, yeah. right? So what this is, is like information widely available to everyone who wants to go and find it. Sure. He was able to go and find these particular pieces of, we'll call it news, right? So it's not that the news isn't being published. Mm-hmm. It's just that- It's not where it used to be, though. It's just that if you're a fan of this basketball team, you're going to go to their website or mm-hmm. subscribe to their newsletter or whatever it is. You're going to get the news about that team in some other way than your centralized town newspaper, right? Uh, in Keene here, for example, I, I, I keep seeing the Slantinal run articles that I think I'm like- Really? You just like went to like a website and regurgitated whatever mm-hmm. was published there. There's a, a restaurant that opened recently and it was not quite plagiarized, but if you read the article in the Keen Sentinel I looked and, then, at that, yeah. and then you went to the website of the restaurant They plucked it off the website. I mean it it would have taken me five minutes to read the website and then go brrr, a story. Right? So like To what, be fair though, I did hear about the website through the Sentinel story. Mm. Not because I read the paper. I'm not a subscriber. I just, you know, it showed up on Google News or something like that, right? Okay. So, I mean, that, and I also think that the Sentinel may be doing advertorials to some extent. I suspect, Advertorials? Yeah, I suspect they're doing more Portman of that now. Until, look at you. This is, it's a term in the in the industry. Okay. Uh, you, I, I'm sure most listeners are familiar with the free daily, or not daily, but the free weeklies in their in your area, oh, yeah, which yeah. are just straight up advertising, yeah. right? The, the, uh, the old terminology is you call them the fish wrapper because... Because that's all they're good for. Yep. Uh, there, there's no actual news. It's just stories about the local businesses who paid them to write about them. Right. Right. And so it seems like the Sentinel does a lot more business profiles these days than they used to. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, if that's yeah. the way they can get the bills paid, then good for them. I mean, I I have found out about new businesses in Keene because of their quote unquote coverage of them. But that's just my suspicion. In that case. But do you think that you would not have found out about these businesses at all without them? I think I would have heard about I mean, we, it's a small town, right? So, you you know, word gets around about so these you, sort of you things. might have talked to people that would yeah. have told you about well, these businesses existing, especially if, for example, the food was any good. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm getting at is the news. These stories are being published, mm-hmm. just not by In the, old ways. the yeah. news companies the the old you know well the dinosaurs the, well and the thing is they can let any story fall through the cracks as long as it doesn't support their narrative right because that's oh, yeah. the thing oh well they they didn't tell you about you know this local events like well does that convince you that global warming is real yeah do you well, think then how uh, is it getting elected people elected do, do you think the local fair needs the local newspaper to write an article about it in order for people to attend no, because the fair does advertising for themselves. I think I saw one they of have, their bandit signs. They have a marketing campaign, yeah. right? You know, they put ads on the radio, whatever it is, right? They mm-hmm. don't need the local no, paper don't. to like be like, hey, everybody. But they, they do it, right? But that's just because it's a legacy thing to do. People used to need the monolithic news mm-hmm. because like... It was like before mass broadcast, mm. right? So they mm-hmm. needed this thing and they needed people to like report on things and give them that. Now information is so readily available. There's so much of it for you to weed through that you really only need to take in what's important to you. 
Speaking as a reader, he says, it's just an abomination of a newspaper. Lafayette residents are lucky to have a few other options. The local TV stations, while nothing special, keep up with the usual TV news basics. A local nonprofit outlet named The Current does good work, but its small size means it has to pick its spots. Most importantly, the Baton Rouge paper, The Advocate, has invested in a Lafayette edition that does more Lafayette reporting than the actual Lafayette daily paper. In the five core Lafayette zip codes, The Advocate actually has more print subscribers than than the advertiser does. So the outsider paper is taking over some of the market. But not every community, he says, is so lucky. When the local paper stops reporting, there's often no one else to take its place. Everyone gets a little less informed about the world around them, and Gannett has has increased its local ignorance at a scale no other company can match. Maybe Alden Global Capital should be giving thanks for Gannett, too, not just the other way around. So what I hear you saying here in this, Captain, is that... The fact that this paper, these papers are dying off yeah. doesn't really matter because there's so many other options for people to connect with mm. and that we shouldn't be bemoaning the fact that these things are going away and, and being replaced by nothing. that's, in they're dying off. Well, mm. well, and so there's two aspects to it. Like you pointed out, like, if you're interested, then you can go find it, you know, here, there, or there. Yep. But there's also, uh, l- like I was saying, if you actually trust that source. Right. So, like, yeah, this sort, uh, you know, if I if I go on to, uh, you know, the James Corbett. Yep. Now, I trust that source. The Corbett Report. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone else goes on to there, they might be like, oh, my God, that tinfoil hat conspiracy guy? Right. That, there's no good that's going to come out of that. Okay, great. You stay over in your lane, I'll stay in mine. But but the important thing to me is that people are, instead of instead of information coming at people, people are going out and searching and yes. finding. People are exploring their world. So instead of it being, you know, mm. the, the dangerous thing has suddenly knocked down your door, be afraid mm. and trust your government. Instead of that, it's... Hey, what is going on in the real world? Let me explore. Let me find out. And the best thing about that is that it activates two completely different parts of your nervous system, one of which is capable of creative solutions, the other of which is your fight or flight. Well, most businesses today have a social media presence or more than one social media presence, presences, whatever the plural of that is. Uh, and they have email newsletters that you can subscribe to, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So businesses themselves are reporting the news. Like if you're a business and you're not self-reporting on your own news, like if you're a restaurant, you're like, hey, we changed our menu. Right? You don't need the local paper. To, you tell your, your people, your customers that yourself. But wait a minute. You're talking about promotional stuff. You're talking about advertising stuff. You're talking about businesses just trying to get people through the door. This guy's talking about journalism. This guy's talking about an independent report, you know, maybe criticizing that business, maybe something that that business did that people need to know about. Maybe they they were dishonest in some way, shape or form or whatever. Right. Like trying to hold businesses and hold government people accountable. I mean, that was the original idea behind the what do they call it, the uh, fourth column or something like that yeah. the, uh, uh, the 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 media was supposed the fourth to hold, branch right? yeah, yeah. that the media was supposed to hold these organizations accountable it failed right because of the centralization yeah. and all that they're obviously not doing that but so. I mean, isn't there something to the complaint that in some areas if a newspaper goes out of business there may be some amount of people out there who aren't 
going and clawing around the internet to to see who's reporting on things in their town. Maybe they've just given up. There's no newspaper, so they're that's, just that's not going to. Well, I mean, I, like, I, but what if there aren't people doing that locally? I mean, I, and I don't know, right? Like, I I could freekeen.com is a is a website yeah. that I run here in Keene, and it, it's an activist site. Okay, so it's not it doesn't purport to be journalism. It is activism. It has a viewpoint. It does it have journalism within it, though. Some, uh, and not if you use the standard definition of like it's being editorials, being objective. It has editorials. It certainly does report on news sometimes, but it's not doing it on a consistent basis. We've broken some news stories over the years and i'm really happy about that sure. I, it's, an, it's enjoyable to be able to do that and some of them have been pretty big but it's not a, it's not a business right it's not something that i i focus on it doesn't have any kind of revenue like, we're not paying anybody right yeah. so there's nothing really there that can uh, how can, many of those sites do you think exist in the world well that's what i'm asking about like people in your local area aside from the legacy media what sort of choices do you have? Have you actually gone and done what the captain is suggesting is going on, which is people are going out there and searching for information? Well, there has to be something to find in order to to conduct that search successfully. So are you finding things? Are there actually people out there who are subscribing to, say, local bloggers or some sort of independent uh, – Josie called in about the Virginia paper, quote-unquote, right. that's not actually uh, in print because – it's insane to print a newspaper. Like it makes absolutely no no sense. But to put some reporting online, that can happen. So how many of these sort of local hubs for information are there? Whether we like it or not, I mean, it's still valuable to have news in one place, isn't it? Or at least I, news in a few different places. I mean, maybe, but let me ask you this. How do libertarians get libertarian news? They share it on social media. Okay. Is there a libertarian news outlet that libertarians subscribe to? Is there a libertarian newspaper? I don't know. Is there? I, I don't think so. I've yeah. never heard of one. So, I mean, there's like some so libertarians libertarian, still get news. There's some libertarian organizations like the Foundation for Economic Education. They sure. do great writing uh, regularly. And so I think you could count some of those as libertarian news. Right? I mean, but they're not traditional it's not news hard news outlets, right yeah, they're yeah. not they don't call themselves a news outlet yeah you're right about right that. so yeah. but yet libertarians get all of the news that libertarians need so yeah. is traditional news fulfilling uh, a market demand i don't think so because otherwise they wouldn't be dying mm. mm-hmm so let's talk about downgrades uh Peakless, you had a story tonight about the triple a rating of what organization precisely the had this AAA Fitch. rating? That would be Fitch. I think it's the number Fitch three. Fitch gives the ratings. Yeah, it's uh, it oh, oh which organization whom? had the mm-hmm. AAA yeah. rating? Well, that would be the United States, the federal government That's of the United right. States. Okay. Yep. The, and this uh, is like U- a rating of creditworthiness. What yep, are they rating? Exactly. They're rating the USA's uh, credit uh, creditworthiness. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a uh, AAA rating, and now is a AA plus rating. So no longer are we at the heady heights of uh, of uh, say Denmark. Now, hmm. now we are at about uh, a New Zealand level credit rating. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could be worse. We could be as low as the European Union at their AAA because we've got or their AA because we've got a AA plus. Oh, I see. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, this one's this one's weird because. So in two thousand, uh, in the two thousand eight, uh, like the great financial crisis, uh, there were 
again, there's like three big ones. That's Moody's, uh, S and P, Dun and Bradstreet. Yeah. Uh, let's see, I I don't know about that one actually. Mm, okay. uh, but and uh, and and uh, Fitch and. Of the of the big guys, only one of them reduced the American credit rating from AAA to AA plus during that financial crisis. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And wouldn't you know it? In short order, the CEO of that company got fired. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know it? Yeah, I actually heard about this on uh, Peter Saint On. She was reporting on this just a mm-hmm. couple days ago. Yeah, absolutely great. He's got a podcast, you know. He does. He, yep. he has a weekly roundup podcast. I love that. Who's not a news agency, by the way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. No, he he does really great work. Well, he takes uh, he does like a three minute video cast every single day seven days a week mm-hmm. and then he puts it all together as a weekly podcast so mm-hmm. that's what he's doing there yeah it's fantastic yeah. work that he does mm-hmm. yeah i and, agree and the thing is that it's very very political like this mm-hmm. whole thing is entirely political that's why like wait you just had a giant collapse mm-hmm. you'd think maybe you were less credit worthy there but well, most everyone thinks you're just as credit worthy, and oh, the credit- one who doesn't, well, they got fired. Credit so. worthy meaning that these guys will pay on their debts, right? 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 <laughs> we well, think they'll pay, right? Which so so there's two parts of that, right? So there's the 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 nominal payment, which. Sure, absolutely. America will never miss a nominal payment. I am. I feel faith that you will get the number of dollars that you are owed. Mm-hmm. However, what will they be worth is the question. Right. right? That's the other side of mm-hmm. it is how much will those dollars actually be worth? Because the more they print money, the less those dollars are worth. Right. And the less people actually want to loan you money because you're printing more and more money. So it's, again, that Cantillion effect of like, okay, well, that was worth this much when I got it, but it won't be worth that when you get it. Mm-hmm. So by the time you actually pay these people off, well, if you've doubled the money supply, then it doesn't matter if you if you got a nice hefty like 10% on, on your loan there. It's meaningless. Right. Because you may as well have just stiffed them by half mm-hmm. in the process. Right. So- the thing that this says to me is the, it, it's just a, a continuing marker of like the fall of the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. So I think this has a lot more to do with uh, what BRICS is doing than what, with what America is doing. And we don't really know what they're doing quite yet. They're, uh, we talked about BRICS a couple nights ago on the show. They've got a annual meeting coming up in about three weeks where it's rumored, apparently, that they're planning on admitting some new BRICS members, which already BRICS has 42%. Not yet. We got to secede first. Uh, well, no, can't we secede by joining BRICS? That's an interesting question. But uh, already they have forty-two percent of the world's population under the the five BRICS countries right now. Mm-hmm. How much? Forty-two percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Forty-two yeah, percent, and that's just wow. with those ones. And there's China and India have a more and than there's a billion like, people. Of course, yeah. but. And there are a lot of people who have, like, uh, there are a lot of countries who have expressed interest, and I think it's like 22 of them that have officially applied for membership in Something this Something like that, yeah. So it's wild. And, and, and that's the thing. I think that they're, I think that the, that this shows that Fitch is like looking for the exit on their, mm. their dependence on America. 
And at, at any rate, it shows that they are very clearly no longer terrified of what will happen to them by questioning America's creditworthiness. Well, I mean, maybe in a couple of weeks, their guy is going to get fired like the other dude did in 2008. We learned from the past that people seldom learn from the past. He turns up in a strange accident uh, on a train tracks or something like that. Well, yeah. maybe, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. And, and part of this is that... Th- Basically, if you if you sort of read between the lines, what it seems to me, at least, is that what they're concerned about is that this is is that the uniparty of America is falling, is that there is actual like competition between Republicans and Democrats, that they can no longer agree on screwing the public every single time because Mm -hmm. they simply won't agree on how they screw the public at this point. I mean. It's kind of nice to see a, a really powerful organization that's just as irritated as I am at the fact that, what is this, every single year we have to worry about whether the debt ceiling gets raised? And every single time they do this, it's this huge, complete nothing burner. Yeah. It, it never was anything. It never will be anything. But man, do they make political hay about it. Like every sure single do. opportunity, like during that window where they hadn't raised the debt ceiling and it was obvious that they needed to, every single thing they did, they would grill the Republicans aren't raising our debt ceiling. Right. And it's like that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're here to talk about, but you're going to talk about it anyway. Yep. And, and the thing is, that, in theory, could actually lead to uh, to a default, is, is by simply refusing to raise the debt ceiling. And that's it, what they wanted to avoid. Yeah, and it looked like this time the Republicans were actually demanding that something different happen, that there be some kind of fiscal responsibility. <laughs> it looked nah. like that. And the fact that they even Psych. flexed like yeah. that has Fitch <laughs> I, so I, scared. I has been watching too much wrestling, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the is thing Fitch is... Do you, in the U.S. or are they international? Are they oh, like they're international. Okay, so yeah. they may not have the same... Uh, you know, they may not be under the same strictures or pressures as mm-hmm. some other organizations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, So, but the very fact that they even looked like they might w- apparently scared Fitch so much that they're willing to downgrade them. You guys, because it looked like maybe the Republicans actually would demand changes to the to the fiscal system and the monetary system before they would would pay this money. At the very least, it looks to pitch a little less likely that the U.S. government is going to honor their agreements. Right? Uh, we're out of time on the radio show, but you guys are back in about a half an hour, ten thirty Eastern time for Beard Talk Live episode. Uh, I don't remember fifty two or something. <laughs> no, close not quite. We're no, close to yeah, forty eight, maybe forty nine. Uh, you can know. watch it live. Just go to watch.freetalklive.com and come back in about a half hour to watch.freetalklive.com. We'll see ya. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with porcupinerealestate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with porcupinerealestate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact porcupinerealestate.com. 